everybody i'm danielle mccartan here with you on the fan in new york city it is um i guess technically it's still christmas time right it's only 1203 midnight on the 26th we're gonna be talking all things new york sports until 4 a.m no don't adjust your clocks i just said that on the the pre-show check-in on my twitter on my uh periscope on my twitter no i am here from 12 to 4 a.m which you know it's still technically christmas i think i've got a manual Tonight, taking your calls, you know the number, 877-337-6666. Let's load them up with your best content only, please. Again, from the Mike Mike Francesa studio here in Manhattan, we're going to be together a lot tonight until 4 a.m., which is a little different than normal. So make sure you guys get aboard ASAP and that you do not lose track of time. I hope that you guys had your power restored if you lost it during that storm that ripped through our area Christmas morning. I know a lot of Paramus, for example, New Jersey had no power. Um, I hope that you guys are parts of Promise at least. Um, I hope that you guys had a nice Christmas if you celebrate it, or just a very nice Friday if you don't. I got to say, uh, Santa was good to us in the McCartan household this year, and mom's stuffed shells were on point. Well, Pat Boyle, who just exited, uh, my mom said, uh, tell Pat that if he was working with you tonight, I would have packed him some stuffed shells. Because, <laughs> Manuel, that was a thing uh, for Thanksgiving that my mom made him or made me extra lasagna, and then I brought it in for him. So... Everybody on Twitter was quite jealous. But anyway, so a buon Natale goes out to all my Italians out there listening. And either way, I'm happy you guys are tuned in and locked into my show tonight. So let's get after it. So what should all of our teams have been looking for under the tree during this holiday season? Kelly Clarkson, in that live rendition, by the way, of Under the Tree, asks the same question of us here tonight. Yes, winning seasons and championships for all of our teams would be nice. But you know, as well as I know, that that's the easy cop-out answer to my question. And Kelly Clarkson's statement. I hope that I always challenge you guys to question the quote-unquote narrative and to think critically on all topics. I hope that you've grown accustomed to... I guess just just that over all the times that we've been together, just questioning the narrative, thinking critically. And with that said, fans should look deeper. I'm going to challenge you to look deeper and think about the items under this McCartan After Midnight proverbial tree that could turn your teams, our teams, into contenders. While some of our baseball, football, and basketball teams would need, not want, need, Some of them are only going to need a few gifts in order to come together and make a run. Some of our teams would need a whole sled full of them. So let's take a look at each of our teams, beginning with our least needy teams and ending with our most needy teams. Number one, the Brooklyn Nets. I'm wearing a Brooklyn Nets uh, long-sleeve T-shirt tonight. The Brooklyn Nets, in my opinion, are our local team, again, out of baseball, football, and basketball, closest to capturing a championship. So if you're a Nets fan, I think you'd hope that the team unwrapped a package full of health earlier this morning. Kyrie Irving, in his first season in Brooklyn, played exactly 20 games of the pandemic-shortened season because of a shoulder injury and then a re-aggravation of that shoulder injury. 
In total, he played in 28% of the team's games. That was quite underwhelming, I think, uh, from the fans' perspective and from his perspective. And then, of course, there's Kevin Durant, who this week played in his first two NBA games since May 8th, 2019, when he ruptured his Achilles tendon in Game 5 of the NBA Finals. We all know it, right? You've seen the video. Everybody's seen the video. So, yeah, health is great. But, again, we're thinking critically tonight, everybody. If I'm a Nets fan, I'm praying that all of the members of the team unwrapped a box full of harmony. The depth on this Nets team is so great that even though no one could replace the talent level, of course, of Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, should one of them go down? No. The depth of this team is so great that so many of these Nets would be starters on most other teams in the NBA. I would hope that for, you know, wishing for harmony, that those players would accept their roles on this team without blowing the whole thing up in time in times of adversity because there will be them in the NBA. Times of adversity always happens. I mean, even the there's never been an NBA team that has gone winless. Let's just put that out there. And even the 2015-2016 Golden State Warriors, they lost nine games, which was the best record in the history of the league. And I know that's not true adversity, but I'm just saying that is the highest level of basketball played in history. So there's going to be adversity in Brooklyn. And if these players, these role players, unwrap some harmony, well, they won't blow the whole thing up in times of adversity. I'm talking about guys like Karis LeVert, um, Shamit, or even Dinwiddie, who, of course, Dinwiddie is going to take a step back in this points scored per game category. They must accept their new roles with a degree of harmony. Because as a coach and a former player myself, speaking from experience now, in the good times, everyone is totally accepting of their place on the team. Everybody's happy. But as soon as a couple losses string together, it's amazing how quickly the locker room can and might and most likely would splinter. The next number two least needy team here in New York, I think, is the New York Mets. And it may come as a surprise that I've, maybe to you, that I've ranked the Mets higher than the Yankees in terms of pieces or presence needed to make a real run in the postseason. But in all reality, today, they have more pieces in place than the New York Yankees do. For example, who's the Yankees' number two starter? Who's going to be playing shortstop for the Yankees next season? More on that in a minute. So in this regard, today, on the 26th of December, nine minutes into the 26th of December, looking objectively at both of their rosters, I feel that the Mets are better poised to win a World Series than the Yankees are as of right now. In any event, if you're a Met fan, I know that you're still hoping to unwrap a George Springer or even a Trevor Bauer or both. I think the acquisition of James McCann instead of JT Real Muto definitely points in that direction. I don't think the Mets are going to go out and get both, though. Because of what we talked about last weekend. The fact that the major pieces in Michael Conforto and Noah Syndergaard are owed pretty big contracts and really soon. So Mets fans, if that's if it's just one of them between Springer and Bauer, who would you rather have? Actually, maybe on the break here I can throw up a quick poll on, uh, on this at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N over there on Twitter. But if I'm a Mets fan, 
I would absolutely want an orange and blue number four George Springer under my tree. First, I got to ask, what would Lenny Dykstra think about that? But more importantly, Trevor Bauer is a great pitcher, sure. But he takes the field every, what, once every five days? Four, maybe? Once Noah Syndergaard comes back, which all signs are pointing to the month of May, and again, if the season starts late, which I think a lot of people in and around baseball think that it will, Noah Syndergaard might even be ready for you know the opening day roster. Obviously, DeGrom's getting the start, but you know what I'm saying. Like He might be there in the stadium ready to go. That is the Mets' number two starter. For these reasons, I think that George Springer, who is an everyday player, who is a contact hitter with a little bit of pop, is a better fit for the team. Brandon Nimmo, who I love, is not a true center fielder. A perfect, potentially even lethal, outfield formation for the New York Mets puts Conforto in right, Springer in center, and Nimmo in left. I think also, total side note here, that everyone in and around baseball, regardless of position, ranking, team, I think everyone's hoping for opening a a gift of a lasting decision on the designated hitter in ENL. The gift of the universal DH should be instituted from from the end of last season until the rest of time. We can open that debate up again tonight if you'd like. The third team ranked in New York sports here between baseball, basketball, and football. Third team closest to a playoff berth and, you know, least needy here would be the Giants. You know, there are still some Giants fans out there, even right now, wishing for a pink slip for Giants general manager Dave Gettleman. You might have heard Tom from Bayonne close out my show on Christmas Eve the other night. I know he's definitely in that crowd. And Tom, if you're listening, hi. (laughs) But how could you even say that, though? Because just this season, here are just off the top of my head three arguments I can make that Dave Gettleman should keep his job. One Giants fans, do you like your head coach? I don't really know a single Giants fan that does not like Joe Judge. Do you think that the Maras and the Tishes just plucked Joe Judge out of nowhere and jammed him in with Dave Gettleman? I'm not in the room in the selection committee there, but I'd like to think that Dave Gettleman had a lot to say about who the head coach was. I also don't know one single Giants fan that dislikes the way that Logan Ryan plays. Christmas morning, Dave Gettleman gave him a three-year extension before the season ended. Giants fans, do you like your kicker? Graham Gano followed Dave Gettleman from Carolina to New York, and he, in my opinion, is the biggest snub in the entire Pro Bowl voting apparatus this year. Dave Gettleman gave him an extension through, I think it's 2023, before the season ended. Is Dave Gettleman perfect? No. But, You know that phone number. You can call up and tell me one GM that is perfect. I'll wait for it. If I were a Giants fan, I would have been hoping that under my tree, instead of a pink slip for a fine enough GM, I'd be hoping for some extra stick'em for my receiver's gloves so that they can come through in the clutch. Evan Ingram's non-catch to ice the Philadelphia Eagles comes immediately to mind. How much different could the NFC East look had the Giants been able to secure that win. And I, I know I have a friend who was watching the Giants game versus the Browns, and Evan Ingram had another, uh, another drop, costly drop there in that game, 
She screamed at the TV and went into labor. That is a true story. She wanted me to say that tonight to you guys. So she also wishes that Evan Ingram can come up with a pass. But I'm just hoping for more stickum for their gloves. Then we get to the Yankees. The number one gift that Yankees Universe was hoping for under their Christmas tree earlier this morning was DJ LeMahieu. Yes, I know. I think that it's obvious that if you're a Yankees fan, DJ LeMahieu is the most highly coveted position player free agent this entire offseason after leading the league in batting average with a 364 average. Last season, in my opinion, he was snubbed. You know, this past season, he was snubbed for a Gold Glove Award. And he finished third in the American League MVP race. Brian Cashman and the Yankees are playing hardball with him. It is a strategy that is sort of head-scratching, to be honest. If the Yankees wanted DJ LeMahieu as much as they say they do, they would have pulled out all of the stops for him, much like they did when courting Garrett Cole just a few months ago. Remember, the special Italian wine trick, the 40-pound light-up Yankee Stadium that had the entire guide to the Yankees, to eating around here, to living around here. DJ LeMahieu is garnering the, we've thrown, this is a quote from Brian Cashman, we've thrown a lot of bouquets our way to him, and rightfully so, we'd like to keep him. I don't know about you, but that doesn't, that, but instead of flowers, I would, or bouquets of flowers even, I'd prefer the wine and the hardware, but maybe that's just me. But even more so after all of that, I think Yankees fans would have hoped that, especially under Brian Cashman's tree, Santa Claus left the gift of, I don't know what the word is, knowledge or awareness to really begin to buck the launch angle trend, to swing the pendulum back the other way, to understand how this lineup needs an overhaul of DJ LeMahieu type players, those Swiss Army knife players, as Cashman called them in his season and press conference. And of course, number five, the Jets. The most immediate of the McCartan After Midnight New York sports Christmas gift ideas is the Jets are hoping that the Bears and or the Colts would gift wrap a win for the Jacksonville Jaguars. For them, that would obviously set up a longer-term season of giving, if you will, in New York. Because as you well know, with the Jags win or two, fingers crossed, and a Jets win or Jets loss or two, fingers crossed, the highly coveted, most can't-miss prospects since, I don't know, Andrew Luck, will fall into their laps. If so, I can predict that there would be a number 16 Trevor Lawrence jersey under the Christmas trees of every Jets fan in 2021. So, guys, which is, going to, which is it going to be? The Gotham Green, the Spotlight White, or the Stealth Black? If it were me, I'd go with the Gotham Green. And that would be the first Jets jersey I would have purchased since my authentic Mark Sanchez green one. With that generational talent under center, I think the Jets would be far and away the favorite to lure the number one top head coach on the market, should that job become available. When Gase was asked on Christmas Eve if he had a gut reaction either way, he responded with a, Nothing I'm really worried about. But Jets fans are worried about it, which leads me to another gift, maybe equally as important, that Jets fans can hope for. Maybe it's too harsh to put underneath the Christmas tree. Maybe it's more of a New Year's wish. But how about a pink slip for good old Adam Guru? Jets Nation is expecting it the second that the Jets are mathematically eliminated from contention for the first overall pick in next year's draft. Jets fans have made, Jets fans have made their list. They're checking it twice. This combination is a far-fetched Christmas wish, and it might even sound quite greedy. I know. But crazier things have happened. And as they say, any given Sunday in the NFL, right? But Jets fans absolutely deserve all of the good wishes after the suffering that they've endured over the last couple decades. And then Knicks, the farthest team away from a playoff berth. 
you already know the saying, and well, Christmas actually came in July for the Knicks in the form of a new, real deal head coach in Tom Thibodeau. That, Knicks fans, is where your team's success will start and end. His 589 career winning percentage is the 11th best in NBA history among coaches who have coached at least 500 games. It's pretty good. The guy's a winner, plain and simple. Just look at his resume. And what I did, what stood out to me most was in his seven complete seasons as a head coach, he took his team to the playoffs in six of them. Two of his Bulls teams in back-to-back season had the best record in the NBA. With his first team, his freshman team as a first season as a head coach, the Bulls won the most games since the Jordan heydays there in Chicago. In his eight seasons as a head coach, two of his teams led the NBA in defensive rating, and two of his teams led the league in opponent points per game. You're already seeing the Thibodeau identity take shape with this season's young group of New York Knicks, one of the youngest teams in the entire league. And you know what's missing from his outstanding resume, as great as it is? An NBA championship as a head coach. Wouldn't it be sweet to top it all off with a New York Knicks NBA championship? So, lots to do tonight, lots to get to, everybody. Let's hit the calls. Everything's on the table, as you can tell. Can't wait to talk with you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan, After Midnight, on the fan in New York City. Brooklyn Nets basketball is right here on The Fan. Be listening tomorrow night at 6.50 as they wrap up their short road trip against the Charlotte Hornets. Streaming on your smart speaker, mobile device, laptop, and tablet at WFAN.com and on your radio at Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Welcome back, everybody, to McCartan After Midnight here Maybe McCartan at midnight, we can call it tonight. We've got lots of uh, alliterative names here for my show here on The Fan, everybody. Um, yeah, don't adjust your clocks. It is 1225, not 225 like normal. Uh, I'm with you guys till 4 a.m. And then it's Vince Quinn coming your way then. Um, just scrolling through Twitter on the break here. Uh, William, well, I guess his Twitter handle is at Billy Sarnataro. He says, my Christmas gift, obviously for the Giants, would be a New York Giant win and a Washington loss on Sunday. And then it would come down to the week uh, 17 game versus Dallas. I wonder, I was talking to my dad earlier, and I wonder if they they would flex that game. You would think, right? You would think that game would be flexed because that would be, you know, the divisional rivalry for a playoff spot. I don't know. I don't know what else is on, on the schedule for that week, but I would, I would think. So I'm looking at the playoff seedings here. Um the Giants could get in. You know, it's 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 quite possible. It's really possible. Well, I think I think the last I checked it with the Giants if the Giants won, I got to find a, find the the permutations here. We talked about it the other night. If okay, so where is it? Where is it? If the Giants win and the oh, I can't find it. I get that for you in a second, you guys. Oh, here it is. Okay, so okay, looking at this this matchup here: Giants, Ravens, Washington, Panthers. Um, what you really need to to really pay attention to if you're a Giant fan is this. This is scenario D. I have labeled this. If the Giants lose and Washington wins, Washington wins the NFC East. It's over. But if the Giants win. 
and Washington loses. I, lo- I always look at the 538's calculator. Giants win, Washington loses. It's still up in the air. The Giants have a 58% chance to win the division, and Washington drops to 20%. So um, this, uh, by all means, is a must-win game for the Giants. And they have their uh, star cornerback, James Bradbury, back. And boy, did they miss him last week versus the Browns. But he will be back off that COVID list. He and he himself did not have COVID. I think you might know the story, but he went to a chiropractor that is not at the Giants facility. And the chiropractor actually had COVID. And I saw before that it is actually the same chiropractor that um, Fatukazi from the Jets goes to. And he also was in you know close contact protocol there. So um, Bradbury's back. I guess Fatukasi would be back too for the Jets, and that's interesting. Um, yeah, so let's go to the calls. 877-337-6666 is the number. First up in the orders that you guys called, at, as always, leading off tonight, Justin in Deer Park. Justin, what's up this week? Hey, Daniel. I was watching your pre-show, but I just want to make my to share with you what I think baseball should be doing to correct itself. Mm, okay, good. All so, right, wait, a, wait, wait, Justin, I, I just let me preface that for everybody who did not see the pre-show check-in. Uh, yes, basically, the, the question I asked everybody, regardless of your age, really, um, baseball is is kind of needing of a um, little bit of a facelift, we can put it that way. Um, so I challenge everybody to, to give me their best ideas to improve the game of baseball. So, Justin, what is yours? Um, I would say get rid of the shift. I think it's ruining the game. And also analytics. I don't think it's working. People telling them how to manage, it should be the manager who makes the decisions. And that's it. Hmm. And then, yeah, why hire a manager if you if the manager can't write out his own lineup and do what he wants? Right. So you are proposing what again about the manager? Just Just get rid of him? No, get rid of using analytics. Oh, get rid of the analytics. Yeah, and banning the shift. Okay. I've seen it happen way too soon, like the first batter in, and they're shifting. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. All right, this is my point. The Steelers, what do you think is going on with Ben Roethlisberger? Should he be benched? Uh, No, I, I don't think so. I mean, the guy's a veteran. Like I like I said about the 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 Nets in the open. I mean, there's gonna be adversity. Okay, there's, there's it's gonna happen. I, I'm seeing him on TV right now. He's looking frustrated. I saw Juju Smith just now get popped by the defender. I saw that live. I'm surprised he's like alive after that. But no, nah, he, he's he's a professional. He's been in the league a long time. He'll work through it. I, I think it hit, they'll be fine. It's not panic mode for the Steelers, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not panicked either, but. You don't know. And also, can I make another quick question, sure. if I can? Mm-hmm. Do you think this could possibly be the sort of the ending of Mike Tomlin era? Like how it ended with Joe Torre with the Yankees? You know, Justin, that's a, that's a really good sort of philosophical question there. I know the Steelers are, are probably one of the teams in the entire NFL that has like the least turnover at, at head coach. Nah, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think they'll stick with him. I think um, I th- I I think he does a good job over, out there in Pittsburgh. I really do. So, I, and my my thought process would be: Would he want out if, in fact, Ben Roethlisberger or when Ben Roethlisberger hangs it up? Would he want out at that point, or you know, having to start over with a brand new quarterback? That's that's to be seen. Um, but I told you. 
I told you, if, if Sam Darnold is not coming back in a Jets uniform uh, next year, I think that Pittsburgh is a great spot for him where he can sit behind Ben for a year and then be the heir apparent. That's what I think. But I don't know. You heard it here first. That came out of my own brain, everybody. So if you hear people talking about Sam Darnold going to the Steelers, guess where it came from? M-E, me. All right, let's go to Artie in Brooklyn. Artie, you're on the fan. And me, me. I'm not trading Darnold in my conference. <laughs> if he's not going to be on the Jets, he's either going to be in Chicago, San Francisco, um, Atlanta. One of those teams where I don't have to see him for every four years. There's no way that I could possibly let him play for Pittsburgh yeah, and let but... him like flourish. And while we have like Fields <laughs> or uh, Jason Zach Wilson or whatever <laughs> throwing picks and reminding us of Sanchez, <laughs> which I wanted to ask you your yeah. opinion. Yeah, on Mark Sanchez. Um, have oh no, I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> have you seen enough of Darnold and the college guys? I mean, Wilson, I mean uh, Trevor would have been an easy an easy thing. Yeah, but I'm looking at at Jones on the Giants, and I like Jones better than I like Darnold. So what's to say that these, I don't know, Fields had a, like a bad, rough couple of weeks, but they, this kid Wilson, I mean, he, he played great, and then, then you go on YouTube and they're raving about him. Mm-hmm. Why can't he be our pick? Yeah, and, and Artie, that, that's, a, that's a good question, and thanks for the call. Um, and it also came up the other night, too. Um, I, I guess my level of comfortability, if that's a word, my level of comfortability in talking about the collegiate quarterbacks Right now, at this point, on December 26th, you know, it, it, I'm not, I haven't studied them. How, how do we put it? I haven't studied, you guys know I do a lot of studying. I have not studied these quarterbacks enough to make a pick here. Um, but I always like to look at them. Someone last, the other night, told me to look at the highlights. I don't really like looking at highlights, especially on YouTube. You know, er, you know, everybody's got a YouTube channel. So be careful of what you're looking at. I always go with my own eye test, and I look to see what, the scouts are saying, and I combine my thoughts and what I see with what the scouts' thoughts are and, and what they see. So, as far as the quarterbacks coming in, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, we all know that he is can't miss, right? As as can't miss as possible in this draft. We'll put it that way. Then you got a guy like Justin Fields, who in that bowl game just looked awful. We had a caller say he he had a, a thumb injury or a finger injury. Okay, fine, I'll give him. Another weekend. I'll give him till later today, which is you know, the playoffs here. I'll give him till later today. But I like to look at these guys in high-pressure situations on national TV and see what they can do. And as far as Justin Fields, um, he looked terrible. He looked terrible in that bowl game. And it's not just it, – it, it was like the fundamentals. There were fundamental issues with him. I, I You know, um, there was one – I mentioned this the other night. There was one – Touchdown or could, should have been a touchdown pass there, where if he just led the receiver to the corner, it would have been a touchdown. If, but in fact, he threw it on the, the back shoulder, and the defender was there, and I believe it was an interception right then and there. Also, what I don't like about Justin Fields is the fact that he operates out of the shotgun a lot. That's not an NFL style, you know, quarterback. You know, you have to be able to operate under center. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. In the upcoming uh, playoff game with Justin Fields, I'm going to be looking at how does he do under center versus how does he do in the shotgun, and then we'll go from there. Um, but as far as uh, Zach Wilson, I have not seen him in action. I'll be honest with you. 
Um, I know he's generating a lot of buzz. You know, right here's an article comparing Zach Wilson's season to former BYU greats. Okay, so I don't know. Finding him a place in BYU quarterback history. I don't know. Again, I am going to just um, – I'm not – I'm not not answering the question. I'm just trying to tell you that I'm not there yet because you got to see what the Jets are going to do. You got to see what the Jaguars are going to do. I'm not going to do all this, you know, pour myself into all this research here. And the Jets end up getting Trevor Lawrence anyway. So we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see till the season ends. And then I can definitely have a better answer for you there already. I promise you for sure. All right, let's go to, uh, let's go to James in Long Island. James, you're on the fan. What's going on, Danielle? This is my first time calling. I usually um, am not up at the hours that you're on, but I usually um, listen via the Rewind, and I love the show. It's a very, it's a good part of my Sunday morning before I get to watch the Giants. Well, thank you. I just wanted to talk to you about the Giants um, today, and if um, if they are, even if they don't make the playoffs, which I'm hope, which I'm still optimistic that they do, mm-hmm. but if even if they don't, I still think there's tremendous amounts of um, credit that deserves to be going to Joe Judge with the culture change and da- and Dave Gettleman with the moves that he made for Logan Ryan, right. who I think got snubbed of a Pro Bowl, Blake Martinez, absolutely. absolutely. And also a bunch of those guys that are that defense looks great under Patrick Graham. Yep. And even if the, even if they don't make the playoffs, I still think there's much more room for optimism going into next year. Yeah, and, and James, I, th- I think you nailed it. I mean, here on this show, I you know you listen to other shows and different hosts, different opinions, obviously, which makes this great. My opinion is that Dave Gettleman has done enough. I mean, listen, the que- if you're a Giant fan, the question you have to ask yourself right now is this. Did I, you know, did I internally think that the New York Giants were a playoff team before this season started? Go ahead, answer it. Okay, I think you answered no. I'm not a mind reader, and you guys are out all over the country right now. I think you answered no. I don't think you thought that the Giants were going to be a playoff team this year. And here we are, everybody, on December 26th with two games to go, and we're still talking about Giants making the playoffs with the potential to make them. So... Um, making the playoffs or not making the playoffs if you're the Giants, I think is still a win. Really. I know Giants fans are upset that they won't have the highest pick that they thought they were going to have. Really? Your team's on the cusp of making the playoffs? And I know they're in the what, the worst, the NFC least, you know, division in football. But it is what it is. You know, that's the division in which they play. Can't change it. And I think... I know my no, I know my answer was that the Giants were not going to make the playoffs before this season. That's what I would have told you. For many I mean, how about number one, a brand new head coach? And then the brand new head coaching and uh, the brand new staff that followed him here to New York, New Jersey, technically. I'm from Jersey. Uh, but the whole entire overhaul of the coaching staff being the number one reason. Number two, blame COVID, right? Because at that point. When you have a new head coach, you could have your off-season program start in person, you know, earlier than all the other teams. But here was Joe Judge doing everything via Zoom, <laughs> uh, having meetings via Zoom, installing offenses and defense via Zoom. I mean, how difficult that is. I'm a teacher. I know it's difficult. It's hard to do. But that's the, what he was dealt. There were no preseason games. So, yeah, he had it tough. And then, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't think that 
the Giants were a playoff team before the season started. And if they ended up being a playoff team, great. If not, they have made lots of progress. Not to mention, as he mentioned, as James mentioned, the defensive overhaul that happened as well under Patrick Graham. By the way, brand new defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, to the Giants anyway. But James Bradbury. I mean, these are all Gettleman slash judge guys. James Bradbury coming in. Logan Ryan coming in. Blake Martinez coming in. Um, and I know uh, Leonard Williams was last year, but Leonard Williams, how about not just coming in, but coming on into his own. How about Jabril Peppers coming over in that Odell Beckham trade that Dave Gettleman made? So, yeah, there's that. And there's also people who still, for some reason, want to hand Dave Gettleman a, a pink slip. I'll, I, I will not understand that. I don't know. I, I know somebody that, that needs a pink slip. And that guy's uh, the head coach of the Jets. But as far as the Giants, I do not believe so. So we'll take more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. Maybe how do you want to improve the game of baseball moving forward? I'm Danielle McCartan with you on the fan until 4 a.m. There's holiday weekend NFL action today as the Detroit Lions host Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks at 1230. Plus, the Miami Dolphins are out west to face the Las Vegas Raiders at 745. And it's all here on your flagship station for NFL football. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM, WFAN. We're going old school M&M here. I can be your Superman. Can be your Superman. Wow. Manual throwing it back. Love it. This is probably my favorite album of, of uh, Eminem, for sure. This is uh, Curtains, right? Curtain, what's it called? Curtain Call, right? Correct. Yeah, look at that. See, I know. I'm up on this, Emmanuel. I you always seem on. to know the songs. I, I'm pretty good at that. Actually, there, that show, uh, I forget the name of it, like Name That Tune or whatever that was on that they have the revamp of. I, we actually, me and my friend, because it's pairs, we got to like the second audition. And then it was like, okay, you guys can come out to California on whatever. And we were like, no, we can't take off of work. And then we didn't get to go. But we got put through. It's cool because I have all the songs on file here. So I'm always looking directly at the song as it comes in. And then if you get it right, immediately match it up. See? There it is. All right. So test me every single time. Give me a little test. I'm pretty good at this. I'll keep a score tonight. Okay. So what am I? One for one so far, right? One for one. What was the one before this? One before it was... I actually have to dig this up. Yeah, I forgot. That's okay. All right, so we'll just start now. One for one. Okay. Um, by the way, I'm just checking my email. I got a, I, I got a email here. It says, Sony PlayStation 5. Hurry up. Rewards have arrived. And then you click on it, and it's like some China website, some spam, you know, it's like spam mail. Ten lucky winners, only for those who live in the USA. Guys, if you get things that are too good to be true in your email, especially my older crowd, it is too good to be true. Don't click on it. I'll check the spam folder maybe twice a year, and it's ridiculous the amount of stuff that's piled up in there. I can't. Well, by the way, I did get, for Christmas, I did get Madden 21 for PlayStation 4. I didn't get a PlayStation 5 this year. Also, they're like $1,000. So PlayStation 4 is where it's at. My gamer tag is, I guess, it's whatever you call it, is Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Go friend me on there, and uh, I'll try to beat you as the Jets, or maybe I'll be the Kansas City Chiefs because I like to win things. So <laughs> so go ahead and friend me on there, and uh Maybe tomorrow I'll, I'll hop on. I don't know. I'm quite tired. And I got to prepare for a show tomorrow night, too. I'm back tomorrow night, everybody. Let's go to Vernon in Manhattan. Vernon, you are hey, on a streak Daniel. here. What's up? <laughs> Merry Christmas. You too, Vernon. What Thank did you, you get your brother for Christmas? 
Uh, so his gift never came in the mail, Vernon. And really? Yeah, it didn't come. So I he, he contacted the company and the whole thing. But I ended up, because I was scrambling. After the show, I woke up and I was like, oh, my God, I got nothing for him. I was scrambling. It, th- that uh-huh. gift is still going to come eventually. But I ended up just getting him. I know it's a cop-out, but a Dunkin' Donuts gift card. I had to do yeah. something, though. He had to open something. Oh, wow. I so know. What did you do for substitute? I got the Dunkin' Donuts gift card for him as a substitute. Okay. okay. He, he goes every morning, so you know it's good. It's useful. I like useful things, so yeah. Sounds good. Kind of stinks though. Okay, here's your riddle catch for today. Are you ready? Oh, you gotta. We should start calling these like brain busters or something. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm ready. Okay. There's a sports fan who loves sports. Went to Rampopole School and was vice president of the Italian club. Wait, who Ram- is this person? <laughs> Wait, I think I know this one. That's Rampo <laughs> College, and that is um me. <laughs> yes, yes, you got it right. Yes, two for two. First one, no, first one, I think. <laughs> you get no. Well, you got the other song right. You got this oh, one oh, right. Oh, oh, today's my lucky night. Then, yes, you're right. Yeah, you're two right. For two. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's me. President, vice president of the Italian Club, Christina Bandino was the president. Still talk to yeah. her every once in a while. So yeah, yep, that was me. <laughs> big old nerd. I'm a big nerd. <laughs> No, you're not. Uh, this is my answer to your question about what can improve the um, yeah. for baseball. Mm-hmm. It's simple. Give out free tickets to all the fans. So let me tell you how this works. Okay, because I'm... All fans, all fans have to go to the stadium. They get their free tickets. They come in. They can sit anywhere they want to. You can't go online to buy them. And you can't go on the other side to buy them. So you go there. So you say, well... How do they make up the money? Do you realize how much food costs at the stadium? <laughs> oh, yes. When, when you buy also items, jerseys, hats, and everything, oh, yeah. they make up the money. And let me tell you one thing before I go. Have you ever eaten at Fellini's in Lower Town Manhattan? No, I have not. Fellini, though, is a uh, neorealistic director for Italian films. Well, yes. you and your family need to go there. And this is when they get rid of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. When you go there the week of Christmas, mm-hmm. after you eat your meal, they always give you a bottle of wine and a calendar. So one day I got to, I don't take the wine, so when I get it, I just give it to someone. Mm-hmm. So I gave it to my friend of mine at work, and she's Jewish. She went to um, uh, Israel, and she gave the white bottle of wine to her mother. And the mother tasted the wine. So when she came back, she told me, she said, you know something, Vernon? I said, what? She said, my mother said that was the best wine she's ever tasted. Really? Yeah. So you have to go to this restaurant and order clam casinos. It is clams with strips of bacon on top and with crust and it's baked. It is so, so good. <laughs> well, it sounds good. I'm just, uh, I'm not a seafood eater. I know people are, you guys are like, what? You're ready to turn me <laughs> off. I know, but I'm not a not a seafood eater, I, I must say. Okay. I'll take your word for you, it. <laughs> all right. I'll call you tomorrow. Have a nice day. All right. Thanks, Vernon. You too. Um, okay. Yeah, I've never been there. Fellini's. I, I do like, and I know we're going to a restaurant here, but I do like, um, oh God, uh, Gnocchiria over in the Lower East Side. That is like my go-to. Um, but anyway, free tickets to fans, and you could sit anywhere they want. That sounds like a Vernon. Sorry, but that sounds like a recipe for a stampede. 
<laughs> because I know I would be wanting to sit in the legend seats at Yankee Stadium. I did, though, try um, King Crab Legs there when I did go. I, I did. I, and, and they were all right. And then, though, I got a little taste of the ocean in the Bronx. And I, I was like, okay, I'm done with these. But uh, free tickets to fans. Um, I, I would be a proponent of lowering the ticket price for fans. I know there are many people struggling right now as far as the pandemic and job loss and, you know, all, all of that, right? Everything that comes along with that. So reducing the ticket price would be great. Um, provided that there can be, you know, everybody accommodated in the stadium safely. And you know what? I know about the the, the, the uh, concession prices. I want to get back to a game so bad that I, I would pay $50 for a beer right now at a game, to be honest. Um, but I, I do miss it. I, I can't wait to get to a game. I, ho- I, I hope and I think that you guys um, are the same way. So free tickets, mm. But any seat you want, I like that. That's like I like in the old days when you had to like show up to actually buy the tickets. That I kind of like. Let's go to Terrell in Long Island. Terrell, you're on the fan. Daniel, how are you? Thank I'm you good. for having me. Of on. course. Thanks for calling. Of course. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, two different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, how to improve the game of baseball, and then the Jets, if that's okay. Sure. What do you got? All right. Um, so with baseball, it's got to be more lively, mm-hmm. like – um, there's got to be like music, like things to keep people up. Like I see people almost falling asleep at baseball games. Um, so instead of like walk on music, you know, the batters have walk on music, yeah. they ought to just put together like a, a playlist and like throughout their whole at bat, their playlist is going, you know, it'd be like them like working out in the gym, but it creates a lively environment. Yeah. I um, see what you're saying. Almost like a basketball game. I, I get it. Um, I just think, I don't know. I just think that the, the sanctity of like the quietness, you know, at thinking it's a slower game than basketball. I don't know. I, I like where you're going with it. You know what I don't want? Okay. I don't want to hear the same song four times every time Brett Gardner gets to bat. I don't want to hear Luke Bryan four. I like Luke Bryan, but I don't want to hear him four times in a row. You know, hunting, <laughs> fishing, loving every day. I know. I, okay, I got it. You know, they could maybe switch yeah. that up. I'm, I'm okay with that, switching it up. And between innings, you know, get it get it going a little more livelier. Who wants to look at the the, the hats and on the the jumbotron? I know it's fun. It's probably the most fun out of all <laughs> right. of them. Or the subway race. Those are good ones. But oh, you know, yeah, I'm with right. you. Make it a little more lively. I'm with you. Yeah, and also you could like do more interactive stuff. Everyone has a phone, you know. Yes. Like that, so, if like there's, yep. there's like there's like do up guys are do up. You can like everyone can put in like which one of these three guys you think is going to get a hit, yep. or if none of them get a hit, you could kind of wait like you know push it in on that and then at the end of the game like they show who in the stands had the best score and like to give them a prize or exactly something. i don't know terrell that i actually had that written down i think you're right you nailed it everybody is either at home watching with you can have a home winner and an in-stadium winner you know everybody at home is watching with a second screen everybody at the stadium is watching with a second screen why not mm-hmm. capitalize on that give send them home with mm-hmm. a jersey doesn't cost anything to send somebody home with a jersey i'm totally with you i would i would love yep. that yep for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's not gambling then, uh, or anything. It's just picking yes or no, this or that. You know, that's not yeah, there's no money exactly. involved. You know? Yeah. With exactly. You. Love yeah. The and idea. everyone's competing with each other in the stands, yep. you know, they're showing each other. Like there's so much downtime you could do that. Yep. Totally um, agree with you. And then love and it. then with the Jets Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I just said right? I love it. Love the idea. But go ahead, Jets. Okay, yeah. Awesome. And then with the Jets, um I don't know why there's this every like um, this short attention span with Jets fans where it's like whenever the next quarterback comes out, okay, like we'll get him, we'll go yeah. with him. Like right. we need like as Jets fans, like we have to like embrace the slow rebuild. Yeah. Like if you look at like, you know, Mangini and Tanadam, whatever, like 
they built like with the O line that draft with Mangold and DeBrickashaw, and then the other one with Revis and David Harris. Like mm-hmm. they built inside out. And you see the Browns; they were just zero sixteen a few years ago, yes. and now they're like almost going to be the division champions. They're going to make make real noise in the playoffs. Correct. Um, but they did it by building the interior like inside out. You know, so once you have the team, then go get the quarterback. You know. That's a, um, yep, I am a big proponent of that as well. We are we are we are in lockstep here, Terrell. I, I like that idea as well. Yes. Yeah. So there's this stud like offensive lineman, uh, Panay Sewell. Like they're saying, like he's like he's just a lock as a stud offensive lineman. Yep. Why not get that? Right. That's easy. Like yep. they, there's like no risk. Like the first no risk thing was going to be um, Lawrence. Okay, we, we missed out on him. So now get the sure thing. Um, and that's all I have to say. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yeah, of I course. appreciate it. Hope to talk to you tomorrow night, too. I'm on 2 to, two to 6 yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> thanks, Terrell. 2 to 6? Yep, 2 to 6 in the morning. All right, I'll be on. All right, cool. Thanks. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, and, and even Giants fans are, are guilty of it, too. Like, these fans, we just talked about having a second screen. Like, it's, it's Sam Darnold and, and Daniel Jones are, how do I say it? I don't want to say casualties because they're still obviously the quarterbacks, but I'll say the word, they're still casualties of this immediacy culture. You want to plug in the player and have them immediately succeed. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Let me tell you something. Patrick Mahomes sat before he played. Tom Brady sat before he played. Okay? So anybody that's that's trying to jump on a guy like Sam Darnold, a guy like Daniel Jones, I mean, Eli Manning stunk for his first, what, three seasons, okay? So give him a chance. And I know Sam Darnold has had more of a chance than Daniel Jones at this point in time, uh, chronologically speaking. But listen, do it the right way, as he just told you. Do it the right way. Because, how do I say it? Like, Patrick Mahomes was plugged into that offense, basically, right? They had the pieces. They had all of those pieces. He was just the final piece. That's what needs to be done with the Jets. And Jets fans, you, you got to be patient. So my, as of, as of tonight, right now, depending upon what happens with Trevor Lawrence, he's obviously the go-to. But if, if for some reason the Jets do not land Trevor Lawrence, I, I am a big proponent of keeping Sam Darnold. Put that offensive lineman in front of him. Then you got Beckton on one side, and a brand-new can't-miss guy on the other side, I mean, I, I think that's a recipe for success. Okay, and the Jets have so many draft picks, and by trading back even, one or two spots even, come on, they're in business. The Jets would be in total business. So, and then you see what Sam Darnold can do, okay? Because with the correct little concoction... I mean, he's shown flashes. He has. He's just had had a, the head coach that came in with him, or I'm sorry, the head coach that came in after his his first season, because by the way, his first season was with uh, Todd Bowles. But the head coach, Adam Guru, that came in there, he stymied Sam Darnold's growth to the point of regression since the day he got there. And I can't explain it. Um. My guess, I mean, I know Christopher Johnson calls him, he used the word genius earlier this season, but my guess is, based on the fact that Adam Guru did not go to Thanksgiving dinner last last Thanksgiving to plan for the 0-11 Bengals, 
and they still lost to them. Couple that with the fact that Sam Darnold can't properly read a defense, can't properly identify the mic at the line, can't make an audible at the line, you know, to adjust whatever play that was came, coming in. That That's a cerebral game, and he hasn't been taught it. And I think he panics, and that's when the interceptions happen because he doesn't know what's going on. He told you that much on the hot mic on the sideline. I'm seeing ghosts. Since that game, he's also regressed. So is it past the point of fixing is the question. I don't know. I don't know. I would actually, maybe for tomorrow, I'm going to check out the drop rate of uh, of Jets wide receivers. And by the way, they haven't been playing with any sort of cohesion. You know, once the wide receivers are all together, all three of them, I think it what, happened once for him, maybe twice. But in the once, the first time it happened for him, Maybe the only time it happened for him, they had a couple linemen out. So there's been no cohesion on this offensive line. They And Adam Guru, he tried to explain to you guys how play calls are happening. Can you imagine being the recipient of all of that chaos inside your helmet and then trying, you know, everybody's staring at you and you're trying to make a play call? It's just ridiculous. The whole system has got to go. Anyway, that's my diatribe on, on uh, Sam Darnold. I see the lines are full, so I, we will get to an update very, very quickly. And then right after that, we'll come back to your phone. Jets. And Giants, I see you guys. Hang on. I'll be back with you guys in a second. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Danielle McCartan. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Fan. WFAN. Welcome back, everybody, to The Fan. I'm Danielle McCartan, your hostess with the mostess until 4 a.m. So we've got some time, everybody. So get aboard 877-337-6666. And we've uh, we've opened up a couple cans of worms tonight. Uh, what happens with Sam Darnold? Uh, Giants in their playoff uh, um, pursuit. How to improve the game of baseball? And um, and I've got some suggestions. Uh, Vernon wanted to do free tickets to fans. Uh, Paul, he, he calls in sometimes. But Paul on Twitter told me he wants to el- um, eliminate or just limit the number of mound visits. Uh, I think that's a great idea. I think six is entirely excessive. I even have a more intricate idea than that to just eliminate that altogether. Um, Then we had a great suggestion before uh, from Terrell who wanted to um, engage fans with their second screen, which I also have have it written down right in front of me. That's a great idea. Awesome idea. Um, Yeah, so that's that's what we've been talking about. Um, The Nets had a really big win tonight. I told you that was going to be a game that I was going to keep an eye on. Um, not to get too excited after that Golden State Warriors win. Um, and there were like three games that I picked out. This was the first of the three. This this Boston, Boston Celtics game was the first of the three. And the Nets handedly beat them. I know they were without Kemba Walker. That's a different look for the Boston team. I know. Um, but it was pretty handedly that they defeated them pretty handedly. Yeah. And I'm just annoyed that I had a... a $5 bet on the uh, on Kyrie Irving to score the first points of the game. And it was exciting there for a little while. It was very sloppy in the beginning. I really wanted to put my $5 on, on uh, Joe Harris, and he was at like plus 1,200. I was like, no way. They're going to give Kyrie Irving the ball to score against his former team first, first points. That's that's why I went with him. And, of course, Joe Harris, my $5 would have been worth a lot more, even if uh, Kyrie Irving hit, hit, hit it, you know, hit the first shot. But – so that that's a lesson in trusting your gut, I think. So next time I'm going to go ahead and select Joe Harris as the first 
basket score. I, I like that. And I also like doing first touchdown score and anytime touchdown scores. Those are like my bets. And I like to do like winning margins. Those are like the only things I do. But I do, I'm pretty good at futures. I'm pretty good at future bets. Like I picked um, the Seattle Storm to win the WNBA championship before the season even started. And I won like a hundred bucks on like a $10 bet. So yeah, I'm pretty good at futures. But as far as day-to-day, not so good. Game-to-game, possession-to-possession, not really. All right, back to the phones, 877-337-6666. Alan in Massapequa, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. <clears throat> What's up? Hello? Yes. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are um, you? I want to thank you. We have a mutual caller in common. Uh, my my son, Justin, is one of your favorite, you're one of his favorite uh Sportscasters oh, well, that he thanks. calls into. He's usually my, so, my leadoff or my, my second batter. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I was I was actually texting him if he was on hold, and then I didn't want to overload him with uh, information <laughs> and get him all confused. <laughs> I, I have a comment about the Steelers, which he was bringing up, mm-hmm. and then I, I want to audible and go to Sam Donald and the quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. Let's do it. After the last loss for the Steelers, I read the uh, papers and the in the, um, the other cities. You know, I'll read the Dallas newspapers or whatever. Yeah, I, you know there what I do? Lo- I do after after like big losses. I'll tune in oh, yeah. on my way here. I'll tune into like the radio.com app and I'll, you know, listen to their stations. I think it's a great idea. It's a, it's a good practice. Oh, I do it over. Yeah. I'll read the Dallas Morning News, yeah. the Cincinnati Inquirer, the, the Pittsburgh. After this last loss, there is um, loud whispering amongst the, uh, the the sports the, the beat writers yeah that it might be time for their fourth coach in the last 38 years uh, that it might be time to sever ways with Mike Tomlin and uh, like the Yanks and Joe Torrey mm-hmm. it's, it's just time to make the change Ben was quoted saying in one of their papers he he understands if he sat there if he sat because the way he's been playing for the last uh, three weeks, yeah. whether it's injury combination, but that's what's going on in Pittsburgh and the local uh, media out there. I know, but the thing is, though, they don't, you know, they don't have a running game. I'm looking at the the, the rushing. Oh, I know. Yards. I mean, so he's he, one. He's not mobile, so he's he's no. a statue back there, obviously, and that's right. he's, he's a, a one dimensional quarterback at this point. That's yep. what's hurting this yeah. team. I don't know right. if it's you know Ben Roethlisberger alone or Mike Tomlin alone. I think it's a combination of things, starting right. with the fact that they had 86 yards of rushing. How about the Washington football team game from December 7th? 21 total oh, yeah. yards of rushing. That you can't win games uh-huh. like that in the NFL. Right. Right. Absolutely. Now with Sam, yeah. um, I think a trivia question in 30 years will be Braden Mann for making oh, a tackle on that kickoff. Oh, I know. Because, you know, I, I got into a discussion with one of my friends who's a guy. He's always on the fan. He calls. He's a regular. Mm-hmm. He's on every show he calls. Okay. And my comment to him was, I could name a dozen quarterbacks that won the Super Bowl that were mediocre quarterbacks. Right. Jim McMahon, the greatest defense in the history of the NFL, the 85 Bears. Mm-hmm. Jeff Hostetler, Doug Williams, um, Jim Plunkett, uh, Mark Rippian. You go on and on. Right. What was what, The only commonality was they had massive D-lines and O-lines. That's it. And with Sam, he's a quarterback. He's had no coaching. You know, you could be around experienced coaches. Mm-hmm. And if it's bad experience, all you've been exposed to is bad experience. Yeah, exactly. So 
you know, you're a teacher, I'm a teacher. I train guys in the fire department and in surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a physician. I don't care when someone says I have 35 years on the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, your 35 years, pal, might be pretty god-awful, uh, poor judgment, bad judgment, and, and you're just not good at what you do. Mm-hmm. So with Sam, they, they, you build your line. You've got Makai Beckman on the left, this kid from out west on the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they even have to flip him, I think they were talking about putting Beckman on the um, right if they draft that monster from, I think, Washington or Oregon. Right. And give Phil Sims, it took Phil, when Phil was drafted out of Moorhead State, yep. we were in Stony Brook listening to the radio in college. We were screaming. Who the hell is Phil Sims? Phil was, Phil, it took Phil four years to play well. He was hurt. He broke his, his thumb hitting the helmet of one of the Eagles. We never even saw that before. Um, with Troy Aikman, was 1-15 in his first year with Jimmy Johnson. And Eli Manning Jimmy, wasn't too good either. Who's that? Eli Manning led the league. You know, it was horrible. We were screaming to get rid of him. Yep. He, with his interceptions, if, 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 throwing off his back foot, that's all you ever heard with Eli. He throws off the back foot. Fumbles the but ball. Bill Parcells uh-huh. is the one that used to say, when does the guru start the guruing? And if the guru, uh, Gase, who's a horror, he's not a guru. So you know, you, you, what are you doing? You're putting Sam out there. He's scared stiff. Yep. Who could name a quarterback that could win with that team? Nobody. No one. Mm-hmm. And build up. Let's, you can win with an above-average quarterback. I think you go through history of the, of the Super Bowls. I guarantee you 20 of the 52 or 53 Super Bowl winners uh, were quarterbacks. Doug Williams. My God. I mean, he won. Nick Foles recently. He's not an all-star, the whole same quarterback. Give Sam a fresh start. Give him a teacher. You give him someone that that knows how to teach. The bad experience, you do learn from your negative experiences in life. Of course. Um, So he's been exposed to all the bad. And now it's time for him to, to keep that in his mind and focus on learning the good. He knows how not to do it. Uh, and, and we're talking about the drop rate and, you know, Boomer in the morning and, I, you know, you watch the other, listen to the other shows. How many of these plays are just not the quarterback's fault? I know. Uh, or the interceptions you know, even, the, when they bounce off the right. receiver's hands and end up in a defender's hands. Yeah. Right. And the kid, every Monday, Sam Donald goes on the Michael there. K show. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, last week when they lost to um, the Bengals, mm-hmm. two weeks ago, and he was on that Monday afternoon. It was painful to listen. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, they asked, I mean, with Greca and, and Michael Kay, they asked, Sam, he's 23. He's the age of my son. Mm-hmm. He took those questions like a, like a 30-year veteran in the league. Yep. Threw nobody under the bus. Never says the and wrong thing. Michael, yep. Michael Kay is saying to him, why are you the only one that takes responsibility? You're the only one. Not even the head no coach that... takes responsibility. What's that? Not even the head coach takes responsibility. Well, that's what you were saying. Yeah. Well, uh, Greg Williams would be the one who would tell the reporters in the hallway which coach and, you know, why he's the smartest one in the room. Adam Gase never takes responsibility. Never uh, It wasn't until last week when they lost, I mean, uh, two weeks ago, when he finally said, I failed Mr. Johnson. Mm-hmm. So this kid, uh, Sam, he's, he's very wise beyond his years. And again, you you come out of a war, 
you're you're battle tested mentally, sure enough, physically, and give him the right mentor. Who's his mentor? The best teacher he had was probably a Fitzpatrick or um, uh, who's the other one? The, 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 uh, oh God, the backup last year. I forgot his name. Who's been on nine teams? But is it Josh uh, oh, McCowan. Oh, oh, McCowan. Yeah, McCowan. Yes. Who's a good, yep. you know? Everyone says the guy's not a great quarterback. He's been on nine teams, but he's a great teacher. Right. And he knows this. He knows the position. So that's that's what I want to leave off on. And one comment: You're not a nerd. You can't be a nerd and be hosting <laughs> on WFAN. <laughs> so you got you got to. I'm going to make you take that one back. And thank you for being uh, a friend to my son. I appreciate that. Of course, Alan. Thank you. I appreciate the call. Uh, a lot of good things there. And he started off with the man, the trivia of man. Man is the punter who made the tackle, who was the last line of defense in that in that game. He should not. He had no business making that tackle with his shoulder. And then maybe another uh, Allen, and maybe another one is going to be the Acres touchdown that was called back because of offensive holding on number sixty three Corbett. That's going to be part of that same part B of that question. And then Moorhead State and Phil Sims. I wrote it down. I talked to Phil Sims about this, actually. You can go on the YouTube. You'll find it there. Um, but and that was his first time in New York City. He was like, holy cow. Like, Wow, I'm here. This is New York, huh? I'm here. All right, let's go to Lane in Valley Stream. Lane, you're on All the right. fan. Yeah, um, so, hi. Um, hi. Um, I, I would like to actually mention, like, three things. Um, do you think DeGrom will start opening day? Because I'm hearing all this about Senegard. No way. DeGrom, if they, if they did not start DeGrom on opening day, there'd be yeah. a mutiny. Yeah, I know, because, yeah, I, I mean, and there's also two more things I also want to talk about. Do you think you go after George Springer or Trevor Bauer as a as a lottery note? Uh, right now, based on needs, because Syndergaard will eventually be back. He might not even be, be ready for opening day, but based on needs, yeah. it's, it's Springer, for sure. And um, also, I mean... If, yeah, and, you know, so you go with Smith, Dominic Smith, you have um, Rosario playing, um, I think, shortstop, Mm -hmm. was playing most of left field last year in the weird season that we had. Yeah. And, like, I'm also, okay. Yeah, and also, you know, I'm hearing about them possibly getting the catcher from Miami. The Mets getting another catcher? Yeah, I mean, JT, uh, hopefully JT Muto, but I don't know. Because the Red Sox just signed the Japanese pitcher for two years. I'm not. I mean Texas, rather. Yeah, Lane. I, I don't. I haven't heard anything about the Mets going after another catcher. I could be wrong, but you know, I uh, I haven't heard that. I think James McCann is the guy. He is the man moving forward. Um, but yeah, if I'm the Mets, my priority number one right now would be George Springer. That for sure would be one. Then, um, if you can, you go and get Bauer. When you look at once Syndergaard does come back and provided that he is, you know, what people are accustomed to watching him as, uh, it'd be probably DeGrom 1, Syndergaard 2, Stroman 3. I'm excited. I'm actually very excited to see Marcus Stroman and what he could do because I know in quarantine, because I follow him on Twitter, in quarantine he was working on, like, different stuff, man. He was working on, um, how do I explain it? Like, He was trying to mess up the timing of hitters, and he was posting videos of all different, you know, slide steps and things like that off the mound and pauses in in delivering the ball, and I think that's just – I think it's genius, actually, 
you know, we're talking about ways in which we could um, potentially, you know, adapt, modify better the game of baseball tonight. That's kind of kind of like a common theme that we've been weaving in and out of these these football calls, which is great. Um, but I think he's trying to take it into his own hands and do it that way. I think that would be exciting to see. I think it's in, to me. I'm completely intrigued to see how, what kind of effect that would have on hitters just to just mess with their timing, not just in between um, pitches, like during the pitches, like during them. And I just, you know, that's another suggestion I, I would want to, you know, input into the game of baseball is you cannot step out of the batter's box. You cannot fix your batting gloves for the 10th time. You cannot rub your, the, the, the rosin on your helmet for the 10th time fix your belt buckle. It's just, it's ridiculous. You know, like after every single pitch, you do not have to fix your batting gloves. You don't. Um, so I would not, I, I like, I believe Stanton, John Carlos Stanton does not step out. And I'm pretty sure Aaron Judge does not step out too. I love it. I love watching that. Get back in there, you know, and, and that would speed up the game for sure. And then I, maybe I uh, will kind of dangle this, but I have, a pretty, and we talked about this about this time last year. This is always like a go-to topic, you know, in the off season, especially with the slow, slow burn of the hot stove. Is you know ways to improve the game of baseball. And right after the whole news about that, the Houston Astros cheating scandal broke. I really, really, really sat there and I really critically thought about ways in which baseball could prevent that. And it actually goes hand in hand with a way in which baseball could speed up the game of baseball as well. I think I'm going to dangle that. I think maybe you can think about it, maybe try and guess what it is. And uh, right on the other side of the break, I am going to do that for you guys. I I will tell you my suggestion, one, to try to potentially eliminate the cheating that went on, and two, to potentially speed up the game of baseball. So hang tight. Uh, This is what they call, uh, what is this called? A teaser. I'm teasing you guys with my answer to that, my, my big suggestion that came out of my own brain, everybody. Okay? So, uh, quickly, uh, we'll do hit the commercials, and we'll come back. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Moose and Maggie, and uh, I want to wish everyone, Maggie, a very, very Merry Christmas. Enjoy the holidays. Enjoy it all. Yeah, the Christmas cheer. Heavy on the cheer. <laughs> we hope you have a great holiday. We'll see you Monday on Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Radio.com. Oh, this is an easy one, Emmanuel. I already got it. This is Chris Brown. Ready? Let's hit the beat. Let's hit the drop. Here we go. Yeah, told you. I'm Nailed up. another. Nailed another one. Nailed. Racking them up. Racking them up. I'm Daniel McCartan with you on the fan until 4 a.m. We are full on the bank. I teased something right before the break. I'm going to give you the answer right now. My, one of my number one suggestions on how to improve the game of baseball. Speed up the game of baseball is, um, and I mentioned this with the Astros cheating, and I'll mention it again to speed up the game. Here it is. Um, headsets, like a um, like a quarterback, when the play call comes in to a quarterback, um, like that. So either the play call, in this case the pitch call, will come in from the dugout to both the pitcher and the catcher. Depends on who's calling the game, you know. But that would be one way. Or the pitcher could... I'm, with my hand, I'm, I'm like shielding my mouth here. But with the pitcher can take the glove, shield the mouth, call the play, and let's get it move on. 
There's no shaking off signs. There's no mound visits. It's just, here it is. Here's the pitch. It's coming. How much time do you think that would save in a game? I think kind of like a lot. So there's one of my suggestions. You know, we can weave this in throughout the whole night of other suggestions, and maybe you guys have one. So get aboard, 877-337-6666. Let's go Doug in Long Island. Doug, you're on the fan. Hello, Daniel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. The sad reality of baseball is, like, people want the analytics gone. They want the shifts gone. Baseball has become a business. And the game's not going to change that much, but uh, the guy Terrell with the interactive thing, yeah. Uh, anybody who has kids and you take your kids out to eat, I don't, you know, and it's a lot harder with kids to go to, you know, an a upper echelon restaurant. So a lot of times you go to, just say a Chili's or an Applebee's, mm-hmm. and they have those games, and they're tremendous. Because yep. when you want to go out and you want to get a, you know, a meal or whatever with the family, you know. People say you can't have these devices with the kids. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's almost impossible nowadays to not get a little help from a device. So something like that, I would think, is is a great idea. Yep. For um, sure. I gotta, if you can, I gotta throw uh, a, a little props to my my boy Manuel. Uh, I don't know if anybody follows him on Twitter. If you can give out his Twitter, he uh, he for Jet fans especially because I'm one. I listened uh, uh-huh. to almost all of it because I work nights, so I had to sleep a little. But he put something up today on his uh, Twitter, and him and his buddy. At another station, uh, they do, they do a a, a a thing on the Jets, and I thought it was tremendous. And one of the things he brought up, which I couldn't agree with him more, is you see teams win when a guy throws two interceptions. It's almost like this thing with the Jets is this feeling that we can only win with a quarterback. How about? And I agree with him. Let's put a little pressure on this team. Mm-hmm. Let's build a team around the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love the the draft Joe Douglas had, but one thing that no one's bringing up and. It's why I really felt, and I called Fleegs and I called J.J. all season long from game one and said this team is going to be awful. When Jamal Adams went, I was in tank mode from before the season started. I just couldn't see this team winning three games, mm-hmm. and I love Trevor Lawrence. I follow college. He is going to be a stud. He is, you know, as, as close as you can be. He Not only has he got a great arm, and he can – Reed Blitzes is unbelievable. He yeah. actually, people don't realize he's fast. He's football fast. He knows when to take off. He's very good. Yeah. Um, Makes quick decisions. Has some zip oh, on the ball. Yeah. I mean, I I was getting so excited for Trevor Lawrence, and then all of a sudden the Jets went and won that game, and I was like, are you kidding me? I know. I know. Yeah, well, but my, but my knock against Joe Douglas mm-hmm. for last year, the Giants got Logan Ryan. No team needed Logan Ryan more than the Jets. Yeah, I when know. When Gonkwe got traded, yes. no team needed him more than the Jets. That's why I felt this team was on the tank from before the season ever started. It you was know, depressing. Yes. Yep. And then this whole thing with Jamal Adams, and they shipped off Avery Williamson. Oh, yeah. Le'Veon Bell. I didn't even. I was telling everybody, do not get a Le'Veon Bell jersey. Adam Guru doesn't like him. He's not going to be here much longer. Don't waste your money. That was my yeah, advice it, to everybody. It just, it, it just scares the daylights out of me because we have one of the worst owners in all of sports. And it just scares the daylights out of me that because any other team, Aaron Gaze would get fired. I, I'm not saying there's a good chance he's keeping his job, and but I put nothing past this team. And it, it scares the living daylights out of me. Yeah, I know. The way that they're, they love this guy. Your quarterback last year, he asked you to shrink down the playbook. You were he, The kid told you he was having problems. Mm-hmm. And that is a sure sign. And you have something uh, you were talking about on your Twitter 
about preparation. Mm-hmm. You know, preparation, a lot of how you react as an athlete, you could see it. Confidence is tremendous. Of course. And I feel he has no confidence, and it's affecting everything with him. And listen, I'm not giving him a pass. Mm-hmm. He has been, he's been bad. He's been bad. He deserves some of this blame. Mm-hmm. So, of course. But. But I, I want to go forward with him. I, I do. I want to take a. I want that pick. I want them to trade down and, and get Devontae Smith from Alabama. Phil Sims was asked about the Jets drafting, and Phil Sims says they already got a lineman. I'm, I was a quarterback. You want to make me comfortable. You want to make me better. You got to get me a weapon, and there is no better weapon out there than Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm, so, with, I'm with you there, Doug, for sure. Um, and, and I'm on. I, I I'm on the Sam Darnold train. Believe me. Emmanuel, go ahead. You go ahead. You you deserve some props there. Go ahead. So I appreciate the love, Doug. First of all, <laughs> but the point I was making is, Jets fans are kind of taking the bait here. You have an ownership problem. There's a reason why you're in the position that you are. Well, Emmanuel, there's also a hierarchy problem too. So who reports to whom at what point in time? Like, there's not a linear hierarchy that goes on in the Jets nation. Exactly. So you have a critical head coaching hire coming up. Who's even making that decision? We don't know. So the Jets have a lot of structural organizational problems. And the point I was making that Doug was alluding to was you're playing into the ownership's hand if you just think, okay, we have the number one pick. Okay, we're tanking. We're going to get Trevor Lawrence. You are absolving them of their responsibility to build a team. So put the pressure on them. They need to build a team now around Sam Darnold. They went to AFC championships with Mark Sanchez. Back-to-back years. It shows it can be done. They can go to an AFC championship with Sam Darnold. You need the organization to function like a competent organization. Well, he had the weapons around him, and he had a good coach and, and that was teaching him. I mean, Sam, I, yeah, I, everybody understands. Everybody understands what's going on here, Emmanuel. But the thing is, you, if Trevor Lawrence is sitting out there, if Jacksonville somehow makes this into like – where the Jets will have the first overall pick, you cannot pass up Trevor Lawrence. I wouldn't do it. No way. If he's out there, I was all for going for him. But Mm -hmm. this doom and gloom mentality of they're not going to get him, we're missing the point. They have plenty of other problems other than the singular position of quarterback, which is important, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Right. Because they don't have anybody on the D. They don't have cornerbacks that could stop corner on defense. They don't have any cornerbacks that could stop. They don't have a secondary. They don't have an edge rusher anymore. I mean, it's just... Gone are the days of, of, of Wilkinson and Richardson and uh, who was the third guy on that line? I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, gone are those days. Those were the days. And you have a few building blocks Leonard here. Williams, you you got to like what you have going on with the receiving core. Mekhi Becton has been an absolute stud this season. You have Marcus May in the secondary. So there are some building blocks. Yeah. It's just frustrating. You need to build the entirety of the team before just saying, okay, Trevor Lawrence comes in here. We're going to be a good football team because you know that's not the case. Of course. I mean, unless he can catch the ball and block for himself and, and play defense. I mean, of course. I've, I'm trying to tell Jets fans this all the time. But And then the other thing is that, and you just mentioned, Doug mentioned, the uh, I'm a coach. Like, I try to practice so hard and so cerebrally with my team so that when they get into the game situations, it's like, oh, yeah, we've seen this before. Oh, I, I, okay, I recognize this, you know. That's not what's going on. It's clear that is not what's going on in New York Jets land in Florham Park. It's not. And with all the people who have come and gone under Adam Gaze, you just have to wonder, what's the environment like there? It doesn't seem like there's any inspiration. doesn't seem like there's any connection. No personality. What is the personality of this team? There is not one. When Adam Gaze approaches someone on the sideline, are they... 
are they motivated to do what he has to say or or believe or buy what he's saying? When I don't Sa- think so. When Sam Darnold comes off the field and no one shoves an iPad in his face or no one comes to talk to him, that breaks my heart a little bit. Right. Because you see Daniel Jones sitting there like with everybody's on top of him, you know? like He's out on an island, essentially. Yeah. And he's it's on not, his own. And it's not Revis Island. Yeah, it's not Revis Island. <laughs> we long for those days. I know, I know, I know. All right, let's go to another call here. Let's take a Giants call. Steve in Rockville Center. Steve, you're on the fan. Oh, Merry Christmas. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Merry Christmas to you, too. Well, first off, this is the first time I got a chance to listen to it. I got to give it to you. You're a very good listener. Uh, you obviously know your stuff. I, I I hope to hear you on an earlier hour, frankly. <laughs> I appreciate nor- that, Steve. Nor- normally, I'm not up that late, but i definitely <laughs> tune in if you did. But I got two main points I want to make to you. I hope I can make both. Of course. Go ahead. Tying into what you and uh, I, I think his name was Manuel, we're just talking about with the Jets. Mm-hmm. Let me let me give you a little perspective from a Giant fan from what from what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Number one, I I don't believe in Daniel Jones at all, and I think it's pretty clear he's not the guy. I think if I asked you who has a better chance to succeed in the last two seasons, particularly this year, Jones or Donald, I think you'd probably agree that it was jo- uh, Jones. Yes. That the Giants Agreed. have a better, yes. better organization, better coaching staff around, and particularly this year, mm-hmm. better team overall. Well, if you look at the stats and you prorate them, they're basically the same. For example, in about 12 games this year, Daniel Jones has eight touchdown passes and 19 turnovers. That's eight touchdown passes and 19 turnovers. Mm-hmm. He's not going to crack 3,000 yards passing on the season. Donald about right now has six touchdowns in nine picks. I'm not sure on his fumbles, mm-hmm. but say it's three or four. It's about the same. But the only difference and the only reason why we view it differently is because there seems to be a reason to be a little more optimistic about the Giants than the Jets, when in reality, Sam Donald's a better quarterback than than Daniel Jones from a giant perspective. I I don't doubt that for a second. Daniel Jones is bad. He is really... Go look at Dave Brown's years. He never approached this level of pathetic. Eight touchdowns (laughs) and 19 turnovers? (laughs) He's horrible. Uh, You know, I'm I'm just... You know, because I'm trying to get the number for you off the top of my head because I just tried Googling... Eli Manning, and because he was bad in the beginning too, and I wanted to know exactly how no, many fumbles he, he had. wasn't. Not statistically, like for example, in Eli Manning's second full year as a quarterback in two thousand five. Two thousand five. At, at mid season, he led the, the league in touchdown passes. But, but yeah, of course, of course, he struggled. No one's. He never had eight touchdowns and nineteen turnovers outside of his rookie season. But before you cut me off, I just want to make my second point. That yeah, was go ahead. The only go ahead. Yeah, because I'm trying to point, look this up too. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I want to hear that. But this is real fast. Complete side issue. Why in the NFL, with a game that's so quick and so hard to evaluate, why are all the refs 95 years old? Why don't they get young refs who are physically fit and active and more sharp who are 25, 30? Put younger guys in. They have these guys trying to run with DJ Metcalf, and they're seventy year old. They're they're attorneys five days during the week, oh. and the other two days. That, that's my last comment. Again, happy holidays, Ed, Steve. That's a nice way to, to end that. There, um, you know, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I you know, I don't know. That's a great question. I'm, my favorite are the one when 
not really my favorite, especially when it's my team but that it happens to, but when they get in the way where it's like they can't duck out of the way fast enough or pass over the middle, that, uh, that, that, yeah, you're right, that bugs me. Like, look at the NBA. Those referees are running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and you never hear anything about them. But, um, okay, so Eli Manning fumbles, right? Uh, let's, I mean, we can look at, let's look at his first full season, which was 2005. Nine fumbles, two lost. The most lost fumbles, I'm just scrolling through here, the most lost fumbles that Eli Manning has ever had was, and I believe he's, if not the number one, you know, most on, on the Giants all-time list of fumbles, I think he's either number one or, or two, and Daniel Jones is is quickly surpassing him, but or could be quickly surpassing him. But the most fumbles that Eli Manning has ever lost in a season is 2009 with eight, 2007 with seven, and then there's a bunch of twos and fives and fours. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then, but but also too, I'm just I'm not comp- I'm not comparing Daniel Jones to Eli Manning. I'm just saying that. Well, first of all, here is the the quarterback rating for Eli Manning in, in 2004 was 55. Then he jumped to a 75. Then 77, 73, and then he really took off. Starting in 2008 is kind of when he kind of really took off. So that took him what full seasons. One, two, three full seasons in order to really hit his stride. So like three and a half seasons to really hit his stride. And there was nothing in the 70s again after that. So I just think that these quarterbacks that that are here in New York and everywhere, it's just the, the immediacy culture of they're just victims of this immediacy culture. And I think we need to lay off a little bit. You know, let these guys develop. Give them the time and, of course, the knowledge from the coaching staff that, that has to come from the coach, the knowledge to to succeed, the the weapons around them to succeed. Because you look at who 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 are either of these guys really throwing to? I mean, Sterling Shepard, cool. He's a slot receiver, cool. Darius Slayton, I think, is a great little player. Six six round pick from Dave Gettleman, by the way. Um, and then you got the Jets. I mean, Crowder. I think you keep Crowder moving forward as your slot receiver. Mims, he could stretch the field vertically, which, by the way, you already had with Robbie Anderson, which I, you know, Robbie Anderson is just one of another guy that left the clutches of Adam Guru and is succeeding elsewhere. Add him to the list. Who's going to be next is the question, right? Is it going to be Darnold next? I don't know. But I'm just saying, it's just, it's it's un, it's unfair, I think, to evaluate these guys. And, and Eli Manning went on to win two Super Bowls, everybody, as you guys all know. I just this this immediacy culture of winning immediately. It's 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 not it's not indicative of what really goes on. And I think we just need to give these guys a little bit more time to develop, learn, and and move forward. So um, we are still good to go on calls, you guys. So let's quick little break here, and we'll get back to you. Whether it's the Giants that you want to talk about, the Jets, Mets, Yankees, Nets had a nice win. Kyrie Irving's on the TV right now, giving a post game. And ways to improve MLB baseball. We've been weaving that in and out all night long. So I'm with you until 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan. Need that first overall pick, right? Got to be, right? Has to be. All right, let's go to a quick update with with, uh, Peter Schwartz and more calls after the break. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan. Hey there, it's your buddies, Cardin Roberts. As this craziest of all years comes to an end, we just wanted to wish you and yours a very special Christmas and happy holiday. And before you know it, we'll be back on the radio Monday at 2 o'clock. So check it out. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you Monday at 2, right here, 101.9 FM, The Fan.
Come on, this is light work, Emmanuel. This is Drake. The best line in this whole song is last name ever, first name greatest. Like a Great sprained ankle. Great line in your three for three. <laughs> like a sprained ankle, boy, ain't nothing to play with. We're not playing here on the fan either. And we are not, obviously, the, the greatest ever. But we, maybe, Emmanuel, one day we can be. But um, that was a terrible segue. But what I'm trying to say is this. Uh, we are trying to better the game of baseball. And I've got a tweet that I want to read to you for you for, for two commercial breaks here. But this is, this is a, he tweets at me all the time. I think it's a he because the, the Twitter photo is of uh, Steve Cohen. But um, he said, Coach McCartan, nothing makes you fall asleep more at a baseball game than how long instant replay takes. Instant replay at a baseball game is actually brutal when they bring the whole thing out and they stand out there. I think the best instant replay that I saw was the XFL. I think they did it right, the XFL, because you're privy to the information that's going on while it's happening. Because I, I don't think you eliminate the video replay. I think it's, it's a good thing. It is. But in order to speed that process up, there's a better way to do it, you know, or at least give the listening audience and the viewing audience, um, you know, something to do during that time. Or it's not like, okay, let's just wait around until they uh, get to a decision, you know. So that's that's another suggestion there too. But then he said, also, not sure why we need to make baseball game more lively um, because because it's a problem. I mean, I'm a baseball fan. I'll watch any baseball team. My life goal is to get to all the baseball stadiums, right? But once you get to those middle innings when it's like, you know, 9.30, 9.45 at night and they start changing pitchers in the, in the sixth, then the seventh, and the eighth, I mean, it's just it's, even the, the biggest baseball fan, no matter what game you're watching, like me, I turn it off. Ever go to a football game as a snooze fest? I disagree with that, he says. And nothing better than going to an NHL game. Nothing better than an NHL game. I have to agree with that. Um, It is so lively. NHL games, if you've never been to one, maybe you're like, oh, hockey, boring. Hockey is so fun to watch live. It's not really good on TV. They maybe need to, I don't know, highlight the puck a little bit on TV with like a little glow to it or something. But um, going to a hockey game, we went to a hockey game – my friend, I, I talk about my, my friend, they have uh, season tickets to the Golden Knights game. Oh, my God. If you ever want a party atmosphere at a game, <laughs> go to T-Mobile Arena because that place is popping during game night. It's it's awesome. So fun. And speaking of, I've got at Christian Wynn checking in. Tuned, he said, tuned in on a Christmas night here in Vegas to my friend, Coach McCartan, killing it live from in New York City, talking some pigskin and more. Check her out, folks. Um he also DM'd me, Chris, I'm sure you don't mind me saying this, but he also DM'd me and says the Jets and their fans would be giving up on Darnold way too early. To say he's got nothing to work with is an understatement. His weapons make Staffords in Detroit look like the 2K Rams Super Bowl teams. And Chris lives in Vegas, but he's a Detroit Lions fan. So there you go. He's from, from Detroit. Yeah, that is the understatement of the century, isn't it? Okay, so 877-337-6666 is the number. Bob in Bayside, you're on the fan. Uh, yeah, uh, before a couple of Giants points, but you and Emmanuel are going to laugh at this. I want to bring you back to Saturday night late into Sunday morning, 3.30 a.m. A moron from L.A. called up and was saying <laughs> that WFAN shouldn't spend more than two minutes a day talking about the Jets. That was my show, Bob. Right, I know. Yeah, I, okay. I want to bring you back there. Yeah. Oh, do <laughs> and, we have to and, go back there? <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure you and Emmanuel were laughing at him because, uh, of course, then the very next day, 
they they beat uh, they won as a 16 point underdog. But and he also said that if they were in the NCAA finals, they'd come in fourth. Yeah. In, in college, remember that idiot? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably going to call back now. This is great. We'll have we'll have caller wars. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, another giant point. Speaking uh, of a guy who doesn't know what he's talking about, the guy before me, before the break, I mean, and what is he watching? Daniel Jones is in his second full year only, and aside from the the game back against Arizona when it, when he was immobile and they were in on him in a, a second and a half, mm-hmm. for three straight games he didn't turn the ball over. He had st- he had turned it around. He's a dual threat. He has a very good future. He's accurate and he's a runner. Now. Uh, so that's why uh, that guy didn't. Uh, things can change with these young quarterbacks. Yeah, he throws a deep ball better than pretty much anybody in the league, really. And if that guy is still listening, he didn't turn the ball once over in three tough games. All right. Now let me get to my point about the permutations. It's only take a second. <laughs> You're right. If if Washington wins, then the Giants, then Dallas and Philadelphia are automatically eliminated. This is if Washington beats uh, uh, the Panthers. And the Giants would have to win two in a row, including the Ravens, and Washington would have to lose their final game. Now, all of that is unlikely. So more, what, what's more likely is that Washington loses uh, and the Giants lose. Now, here's what happens. The Giant fans must become big-time cow- Cowboy fans because if Philadelphia beats Dallas, the Giants cannot uh, be the champion. Figure it out. If Philadelphia beats Dallas... The Giants cannot be the champion. Here's why. Because Washington would have to lose to Philly, and if they lose to Philly, then Philly becomes the champion. Philly finishes at 6-9-1. and one. Giants finish at 6-10. And 6-9-1 and one is better than 6-10. Six, six yeah. And, but Figure Bob, it out. Bob, isn't it fun, though, to be, to be doing these, these permutations as a Giant fan this late into the season? Giant, Dallas must beat Philly if... Uh, the Panthers beat Washington. If Dallas th- does not beat Philly, uh, Giants cannot win the, uh, the, uh, the the division. Oh, there you go from from okay. Bo- from Bob's lips to to Giants fans' ears everywhere, everybody. And let's go to Bill in Belmar. Bill, you're on the fan. Hi, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Bill? What's up? All right, uh, you were talking about improving baseball. Yeah. Okay. There's a few things you could do. I'm I'm from the I grew up in the '60s, mm-hmm. and what the Mets used to do I don't know about the Yankees, but they used to give out free tickets to old grammar school and high school, and there were day games. You can't have day games that much anymore, but you could have some day games, and you could bus a lot of kids for free mm-hmm. during the weekday when it's not full crowds, and they will love it and they become fans. Also, you could have certain nights. You could have date night where a guy brings his girlfriend or his wife. She's in for free. You know, you could yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. Asian night. You could have, that's what the Mets used to have, Asian night, and they used to have a Spanish night. Oh, they have Italian-American night. They do have right. that. that. They can do that, too. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about, like, a, like certain areas where it, it, people don't have the ability to go to the games. Give them a free pass. Yeah. They, they're still going to spend money eating hot dogs and drinking beer and stuff like that. Right. You put them up in the highest places, and it fills up the crowd. Mm-hmm. Also, what you could do with the Mets did for years, and they don't do it now anymore, bring in back an organ like computerized music, and they could play that during the between the innings, and they could have a lot of fun. 
What they also do now, they when Yankees get don't do it, they shoot free T-shirts into this crowd. You know, get wait, Bill, crowd riled up. I actually knew somebody that did it at at uh, Shea Stadium under the. Uh, Omar Minaya's Mets. I know somebody that was shooting those T-shirts. I always wanted to do that. That's a great idea. I think. I think if you have, if you work for the fan, I'm certain you could talk to people and they could get you out there. Because, <laughs> because really, they, they they like to interact and everything. Yeah, yeah. Now, as my other thing, I want to talk about is Giants and Jets. And I have a, I, I got a feeling the problem with the Giants quarterback is that. He gets hurt too easily, and that ruins his ability to improve. I think he and also Donald need changes, and I think the best thing they could do is trade each other. Wait, trade wait. between the Jets and Giants, and I think that uh, I think Sam Donald would be great with the Giants. I think the coach there could talk to him and and fix his problem because there's a lot of his problems psychological from the coach. Yeah, Bill, you're and you're bringing the, the intensity. Giants. Bill, you're bringing the intensity here, and I love it. I love the calls. I love the ideas here, especially with the kids going in free to the games. But there is no way that the Jets and Giants are going to make a swap between quarterbacks. They, well, the Jets and the Giants did already once with the defense. But the, okay, but and, quarterback is different. Yeah, but if you're going to get rid of your quarterback, why not just swap them? <laughs> because there's you a lot more I mean? than, than that involved. I mean, Sam Darnold's owed $25 million well, in his fifth year. The Giants well, probably can't afford that. Finan- they're both very rich people. They can work out financials. I think they, it's in the CBA, though. They set up with all these billionaires. They say, well, this, you can't do this. Yes, they can. Yeah, but there's they a thing called the salary it. cap. And, and, Bill, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. But there's a thing called the salary cap and a collective bargaining agreement and this and that. Um, so I'm not – it's not going to happen. And, and then can you imagine if, uh, let's just say, Sam Darnold, under the correct coaching, goes off uh, in a Giants uniform, how upset Jets fans would be? It'll never happen. Sorry. You had some great ideas. I, I really do appreciate that. Um, but uh, it's that's not going to happen. That is not – it's not going to happen. And as I got to tell you that I was a, um assistant director of a camp uh, kids camp in town, you know, the rec camp in town. I was assistant director, uh, I guess right after college, I guess made my way all the way up from a, from a counselor all the way up. Um, we did, we had, we had, um, we had a, a game days. We did go with the Yankees too. It's, you know, once or twice a year that they do it. But I, when I play 2k, cause I'm on the Dallas Mavericks when I play 2k, I forced a trade from the Knicks to them. Actually, no, my, my rookie deal expired, whatever it was, but now I'm on the, the Dallas Mavericks and, uh, they say and in, in all the time they say that the Dallas Mavericks always give out free tickets to kids. Always, I'm not sure what that is, but and I'm, again, that's coming from a video game, but a pretty lifelike video game. But they're one of the only teams that does that. And then what it does is creates fans from an early age um, up through adulthood. All right, Franklin and Totowa, you're in the fan. Hey Danielle, uh, just hit you with a couple of points. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to go on any Eli Manning rant, but since his name came up in the last. 15 minutes, I figured I'd let you know my thoughts on it. You you commented on, uh, you know, his lack of fumbles and, and so forth. But my take on it is, is that the guy seldom would run for a first down, you know, make a make a two-yard run on his own two legs. You know, he 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 much rather uh, throw a pick than take a hit. And, 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 you know, when you do that, you don't fumble the ball. Yeah, yeah. I right. mean, the guy gets way too much credit. I mean, it's a, 
Football is the ultimate uh, team sport, offense and defense, defensive units and special teams. I mean, I, I know the Giants won two Super Bowls, and Eli got an MVP in the one, but, you know, I think, you know, quarterback is obviously the most important position, I guess, on offense, on the field. Um, you know, Eli, you know, he, he throws that uh, – he throws that ball up in the air, you know, David Tyree comes down with it. There's eight other arms in the air there. I mean, it, it was a, it was a duck that he threw and, and it worked out for him. I mean, the guy is just, um, you know. All right, Franklin, what's your, what's your Jets point? My, my Jets point, my Jets point is, is that it's an owner, it's an ownership issue and it's not, you don't just come down to, uh, you know, good or bad. It, it, it's much deeper than that. The, the visibility of the, of Jets ownership, Woody and Christopher Johnson, and I'm even going back to Leon Hess. Mm-hmm. I mean, Leon Hess would show up once a year at Thanksgiving uh, to, to, to talk to the team. I mean, it's just that there's a, it's a rudderless uh, situation. Uh, you know, nobody knows what the if the owner really wants to win. I mean, you have owners like Jerry Jones and Jim Irsay and uh, Daniel Snyder. I mean, you know they want to win. Robert Kraft, you know they want to win. With Christopher Johnson or Woody Johnson, you know you, you don't know. You don't know what they want, mm. and uh, it's a, it's a cultural issue. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, for, I mean, thanks. And, it's been going on a long time with the yeah. Jets. I mean, it, it's no different than uh, James Dolan with the Knicks. I mean, the, 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 it, he's the one constant through all these transgressions and foibles, and when you know. Double the amount of losses and wins, it's the owners. Yeah. You know, they just, they don't get it. Yeah, and, and sometimes, though, I mean, these are assets to these guys, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to rile up any Jets fans or make you cry or anything, but sometimes these, these teams are just, they're assets, you know, and while we all want and expect our team to win, yeah, the the Johnsons, I don't know. I, you know, I'd have to Google and I have to do any research to see. I know Jerry Jones has a weekly spot or whatever on, on that radio station down there in Dallas, but... um. I don't know if don't conflate them their their quietness, I guess, to the media with not wanting to win. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't really want to come down on ownership. I, I don't know enough about it. I don't. I've never met the guys. I, I don't know. Um, but I think that all of that is exacerbated by the structural hierarchy of the New York Jets. Like both the head coach and the GM report to ownership. Separately, I don't understand how that could work. To be honest with you, I think it should go at the top is obviously owner. Underneath him is GM. Underneath him is head coach. The head coach should report to the GM. The or they or they should be equals with each other. You know what I'm saying? Like they should be on a team with each other. Obviously, which I think has just happened with with Gettleman and and, and uh, Joe Judge but what I'm saying is it's the structural thing it's just not working out there I think they need to try something different and if I were to trust anybody in that organization it's Joe Douglas uh, to make the right call that's what I think anyway I think he builds teams the right way he's won Super Bowls and building it he's he, from you know he's been a scout he's worked his way all the way up so I I do trust Joe Judge and and I mean I'm um, Joe Douglas and what he can do for this team I think you just got to give them the keys to do it. That's how I would make a change for this upcoming season. If I were the New York Jets. No. Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. The Fan.
back every two McCartan after midnight here on the fan. I'm your hostess, Danielle McCartan, with you guys until four o'clock in the morning. So we are halfway there. Speaking of the songs, Emmanuel's trying to stump me on the songs coming out of the breaks. Not successful thus far. I'm getting a ton of tweets coming in for you guys. Um, I'll read a couple of them right now. We've got so many different conversations going on. I love it. It keeps uh, everything interesting here. But um, we've got at Cornhole Cousins. He says no to highlighting the puck. That was my suggestion on how to make uh, hockey more engaging for the at-home fan. Because the in-person product is amazing. So he says no. They tried this years ago and it was awful. I remember that. And it was awful. But technology has advanced. Maybe possibly they could work it out. Um, or I'm writing right now, a better camera angle. Because when you watch hockey, it's almost like watching the Blair Witch Project a little bit on TV. And it's like, you know, left to right, left to right. What if they had like a better angle where, and I like, when I go to football games, I like sitting behind the goalpost. I know that sounds like crazy, but I like watching the plays develop. So if you had like a play, a, a camera that was behind the goal crease, I, I don't know. There's got to be a way, better way to do it because – I can't watch it on TV. It's hard to watch on TV. The announcers are, are absolutely engaging. I love it. But it's just hard to follow. Then I got another tweet from um, at Dane Golf 1960 uh, and I asked for the source to confirm, and I did confirm it. We talked about a little bit before. A caller mentioned the age of the NFL referee. The average age in 2019 of an NFL referee is 51. So there's that. We, all, we were talking about that, too. Uh, thanks, Brian, for that. And then um, Victor I didn't read this tweet all the way through, but um, okay, yeah. So this is a tweet that is talking about my, you know, we also are weaving into all of these conversations tonight, how to improve the game of baseball moving forward. Um, Victor Kreitner, he tweets me all the time, and he's a Bills fan, so good for you and your Bills. But he says, if NFL, if NFL, this is another suggestion I had as well, if the NFL quarterback can throw a play, can throw with a play timer, so can an MLB pitcher. Have a 25 to second th- timer behind home plate where the pitcher can see it. It resets every time the catcher throws back the ball. If no pitch is thrown, uh, a ball is called to the batter. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's the way we're going here, guys. P- pitch counts uh, for sure. I think, too, and I also thought about this, too. Pitch counts, if it's visible to the pitcher, it's also visible to to the base runners, right? So if you as a base runner know, like like, like a defense on a play clock, if you know that that's ticking down, you can get a nice jump around the bases, even on, I don't know, potentially swiping two, possibly, if you get it if you get it done the right way, if you're fast enough. And if the pitcher is slow to the plate, like a guy like Batances or a guy like, uh, I mean, he, he's the number one guy that comes to my mind. But I don't know. I like it. I do. And, and it, I think it makes it more exciting because you get more action going around on the base paths. That's another one of my two cents. So let me hear your two cents. 877-337-6666. I'm just going down in the order that you guys called, guys. It's um, Vinny in Queens. You're up next. Hey, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Vinny? Good. Merry Christmas. You too. A um, couple of points. I'm not a big football fan, only when I would bet on it on a Sunday, honestly. But <laughs> I have to tell you, uh, Jacksonville possibly won their Super Bowl in the Jets. Probably cost themselves five to seven years with that win. Only the Jet franchise can win the game and cost themselves five years. Uh, more, I think, way more than five years. You think about the, yeah. if you're a Jet fan, the torment that Tom Brady had for what twenty years in the AFC East. I think it's um, I think it's way longer than that. But yeah, you're right. You got the right idea. Yeah, it's 
I can never imagine being a Jets fan. I'll tell you. Well, I'm a Mets fan, but it, it, things look better now. And uh, you know, it's funny because I have a couple of friends who are getting on uh, Cohen already. Ah, a lot of big talk. He what? hasn't done anything. No one else has done anything either. Listen, oh. should Sandy Alderson just go give a guy thirty-four million a year when next month they could probably give him thirty-one? They they know who is involved in these. Very rarely. You know, you hear from all these different sports outlets. I'm not talking about your station, but, you know, they know what teams are in for going in for $30 million this year, $40 million in investments. Mm-hmm. They know who's involved. Very rarely do you have a team come out of the woodwork. When they say this team came out of nowhere, no, they didn't. And it's it's also, like you not hearing a rumor about your friend. Everyone knows. Yeah, and Vinny, involved. too, another thing, too, and is like you should tell your friends, like, okay, this year yeah. you want them to spend all the money. But what about next year? Who's due for contract upgrades next year and arbitration? Salaries going up in arbitration. You can't just look at it so right. short-sighted. Well, listen, this, Daniel, this guy, Cohen, didn't make $13 billion in one year. Yeah, this right. guy wants to make $100 billion over 20. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, that's not um, in Yeah, yeah. But I know what you mean. I, I have to tell you, uh, I think that it doesn't take much nowadays in Major League Baseball to put a competitive team on the field that would – possibly win a wild card. Mm -hmm. And when you have Jacob DeGrom in the front, and if you had even a guy, well, even not a guy like Bauer, but if if, if you get Syndergaard, I don't think the season's starting in April. I think it'll start Memorial Day. I agree. So I think that you're going to have Syndergaard miss three, four starts. That's it. I I would extend them because you, when's the last guy you saw that came off Tommy John surgery and didn't come back successful? Yep. Uh, You know, I think your shot is you're going to get him five million to six million a year on the low. And you're taking the shot of tying this guy up, and I, I don't think it could work out badly. Yep. And I, I do think that, it's, to me, if I'm the Mets, I sign Springer, which I I don't think he's going to go to Toronto. I think he's trying to raise the prices, agent. Mm-hmm. I think that they should sign Liam Hendricks and have a strong bullpen and go get Jake Odorizzi. If you have to put Lugo in the starting rotation. Oh, I hate can. that idea. I hate that idea. Yeah, but you know what? If you have Hendricks and the other guy, you don't have to go crazy and you wait till next year and the year after. Because I'll tell you, listen, what pitch are you going to get out there now other than Bauer that's going to win you 11 to 13 games? Yeah. No one. No. And anyone you do is going to cost you 15 a year. Mm-hmm. So Lugo, Lugo's going to go 11 to 9, 12 and 10, 380 RA. And you know what? If you have a strong back end of the bullpen, if you have Diaz, Hendricks, and the other couple of guys they got, and, you know, Betantos and Familia throw-ins, these guys are just waiting for their contracts to expire. You go to war with that, and you hope that Degrom wins two of the games in the playoff series. And I don't think there's any team that would want to face the Mets because they have definitely at least a top seven offense in the National League. You have a pitching staff that it's going to come down like every other team. Yeah. The, the Mets had the, the lead in four games in the World Series in 2015. Mm-hmm. People don't realize they had the lead four times. If they have any other relief pitcher, they probably win the World Series. Right. They. If they have great relief pitching, there's not one team that would want to face DeGrom and a Syndergaard or if even a God of Bauer. Note they'd be one of the most dangerous 88-win teams in Major League Baseball. I agree with you, Vinny. And I, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but um, we do have a full bank here. But, yeah, I agree with you totally. Um, I, and, Vinny, I hope you tune in and call back in tomorrow because I um, tomorrow I'm 2 to 6 in the morning. So tomorrow... Like this time is where I'll be starting tomorrow. So, um, but I have in my notes in my phone, I actually wanted to do, I, I sound like a real big nerd now, everybody, but I, I want to do another statistical analysis because I know you mentioned um, Hendricks, but I would like to do a st- statistical analysis, him versus Brad Hand, because I've been championing, championing Brad Hand 
Um, I'm getting all nerded out here. I'm getting, I'm thinking too fast and the words aren't coming out fast enough, but I wanted to do a statistical analysis between the two of them actually to see, I mean, this would be for the Yankees too. I mean, I think both of those pitchers um, could fit on both teams in New York. So that's why I really want to dive really deeply into that. So I hope you tune in tomorrow and I hope to have that for you guys tomorrow because it is in the notes in my phone to, to take care of that, which uh, let me look last I edited was uh, uh, at 622 PM. So it is there for sure. Guaranteed. All right, Kevin. What happened, Kevin? Uh, phone died, and I'm trying to get back in. It's got the busy signal all night. Oh, my I don't God. Know what was going on You're now. here now, Kevin. What's up? Uh, I'm talking about the Jets. Okay. Oh, oh the pain. <laughs> I'm going to start it that way. Yeah. Because the Jets can't even lose right. Mm, I and, know. I mean, I, I got I got a problem. Because, Adam, look, the thing I'm worried about is that we, not that's not so much that we won, but if we the way we want, Adam Gay, the ownership might get confidence to bring Gates back, and if that happens, I'm done with the Jets. You jump and ship. You, if Gates is coaching, I'm done with the Jets. I don't know if I've ever asked you, Kevin. Who would you jump ship for? Uh, you know, I never really give it thought because I never really thought I would be done with the Jets. <laughs> well, I, I mean, never give it much thought. Um, Adam I'm, Guru, gonna, I'm the- getting a lot of Philly people telling me going to Philly. I'm like, I can't mm. do that. I'm a Giants fan. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, but I, I got a problem with Frank Gore. I'm sorry. Last week, he, <laughs> I mean, he scored the touch and I'm like, I would be happy for him, but like he, oh, that killed me. Cause I knew that was it. And I'm telling you right now, Adam Gase, and that's his boy. That's Adam Gase's boy right there. Mm-hmm. And I, I was, I was asking you last week, what was Gase's love, love affair with Frank Gore? I don't know. My question is. Why didn't he, he give Le'Veon Bell the ball this much? <laughs> I would have loved to see Le'Veon get that. Yeah, that, that, that was personal. There was no doubt in my mind that that was not personal between Adam Guru and, and no, Le'Veon absolutely. Bell. absolutely. He but didn't I, want I him to feel- begin with. The first article that ever came out when he came to New York, it was like, oh, yeah, basically, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, didn't want him. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing there. And I'm telling you, Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. I know that that's a cliche, people say that, but I've, I've watched his games. i watched every game of uh, Clemson and I'm telling you he's the guy he is gonna be the say he's gonna be the savior for either the Jaguars or the Jets and I'm telling you if he, and I'm telling you he's gonna be a stud like he's gonna be a young Peyton I'm, not gonna say, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna compare but he is gonna be a stud mm-hmm. I'm telling you if the Jets win Sunday oh, oh. <laughs> and I'm telling you Gates would Gates would just to stick it to the Jets, he would he would win all three games, and I'm telling you, if that happens, I'm going to be so livid. I, and I, I'm, I just, I'm just I'm all fired up tonight. I know. Then I, then I, can't, I know. First, it was the phone charger and everything. Uh, yeah. I can't, if if the Jets end up winning this game, I don't know. Yeah, if they end up, I'll winning, call, I'll call in and have another rant. I know. I can't wait to take all the calls from the Jets fans. I really can't. Because this is going to be crazy. And one last thing, this is what the Knicks. Do. This is what the Knicks do. They could. The Knicks couldn't, you know, lose enough games to get draft capital. <laughs> and that's exact. I mean, it's the same. It's the same. Both ownerships incompetent. They both can't draft right. I mean, why am I a fan of these teams? I don't know. I'm just. I just. I'm just. I, I'm just in one of those moods tonight. So. But I thank you for taking my call, and I appreciate it, Coach. Of course. Merry Christmas to you, by the way. You too, Kevin. Thanks. I appreciate you. Uh, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, because you'll get in. Yeah. What happened was he was he was DMing me on Twitter. Said his phone. He was on hold. He, Kevin, you by the way, you were like third tonight. You're usually first, but you were on hold, and then I saw you drop off. And I'm like, what happened? 
DM'd that his phone died, and then he had to charge up the phone again. That's why he's in that mood. I get it. It happens. Mark in Kings Park. You're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Hey. Hey, uh, Merry Christmas. You I'm, too. Uh, Thanks. No more Wilpons on Twitter, so just so you know, that was oh. me that was tweeting you. Oh, okay, okay. And, um, I mean, I was going to talk to you a little bit about um, about what your question is about ways to improve baseball, but mm-hmm. to kind of get sidetracked a little bit, um, sure. I mean, if we were watching the games, you know, back in 2019, um, Noah Syndergaard looked anything other than a number two pitcher. I mean, to just slot him into a number two spot, I think is kind of, no offense, a little short-sighted. All right, well, who would be the number two then? Who would be your number two? We don't have one. Well, that's the problem. I think, but and that's I think, why Mitty Bauer is the first person that we need to get. Because uh, that's how you win in a postseason. And yeah, we already I have, know, like I when Clark was saying, a top seven offense. Yeah. I know. I, I just I have faith in Noah Syndergaard. I just I really do. I don't. I, it's like this inexplicable faith in him, and I don't know why. Um, I don't know. I just I don't know why. I really don't. And then coming off the surgery, I I I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Mark. But, what have you seen since 2016 that makes it feel that way? Because if it was 2016, I would agree with you. But there's nothing that he's shown. He's shown that he doesn't have any movement on his fastball. His slaughter is in slot. He throws meatballs at the plate. And he kind of has a big ego and doesn't tell anything. All right, two things. So we could go sign Bauer for that, too. Yeah, well, two things. One, well, one, Syndergaard would be cheaper than Bauer. That's, I, I believe. Well, of course. Um, but yeah. two, and I know Mets fans aren't really thinking about cheap and things like that anymore, but... Um, you know, he came into training camp with all that, mu- I mean, uh, uh, spring training with all that muscle buildup on him, which was like totally ill-advised. That was the one thing. Led to the lat injury. Right. Then it was the one thing after another, right? Um, but the one thing I got to tell you is the embracing of analytics, finally, in Queens. Not analytics in like in-game decisions, but an- I love analytics in like diagnosing swings and whatever. Sure. I like that. So I think that the marriage of that is only going to help him in his spin rates and everything that you mentioned. I, I, I just, I feel that way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you could look at my spin rate. It doesn't make, it's not making you pitch better. Yeah. I mean, at some point, you got that talent out there on the mound. Now you're calling him not talented. I don't know. If you're well, calling... no, 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 no. I'm not calling him not talented. That's what I'm, no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, though, is you'll think talent to go along with analytics. He has talent. Obviously, you want to be in the major leagues right. without talent. I'm just saying it's not just based purely on analytics. That's my point. I know, I know, and, I get you. And but but mm-hmm. when I when I think about that as you're talking, I, I my mind just flashed right to. Do you think? Gar- uh, let me just ask you a question before I give the point. Do you think sure. Garrett, Garrett Cole? I'm not talking, you know, number one pitcher in baseball, but maybe top three. What'd you say, Garrett Cole? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think we're there. So. Garrett Cole was really nothing special in Pittsburgh, and then he went over mm-hmm. down to um, Houston when they, they totally embraced the analytics in Houston. And then him and mm-hmm. Verlander both were made better pitchers because of the analytics there. So I don't think it's it's non-fathomable to happen also in Queens. So let me follow up with a question with that then. Yeah. Today, Noah Syngard, mm-hmm. is he a better pitcher than Garrett Cole was when he left Pittsburgh? That's a great question. I don't know. I don't, I'm not looking at it. I, I, I haven't studied it. I don't know. But you know what? That's a good question. I'm going to write that down. I, I would say absolutely not, and that's the problem, is that, is that if you were dealing with someone who was pitching a little bit better, 100%, I would agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. But I think that he's not at the point where he could necessarily do that. Um, I think that really, like, you know, like, more than anything, we have to get someone that can be that number two pitcher. Syndergaard, I mean, not for anything, he's come off of Tommy John surgery. So, I mean, to me, 
if you want to actually do something that I think would actually help his career out a lot, and this might sound a little crazy, and he's never going to agree to it, which is the problem of why I don't really love him. Go to the bullpen. I'd put him in the bullpen. Yep, that's exactly what I would do. Because he would be awesome going at it for like one or two innings, and he could probably be that Andrew Miller that I think that we really need in the bullpen. That's really how we could use him the most. You go out, you sign Bauer, and I mean, that's how we really go deeper in the playoffs. <laughs> George Springer's awesome, and I think he's great. We should bring him on, too. I'd love to get him. But I mean, I could live with Nimmo in center field, even though he's not great analytically, but I mean, yeah. I could live with that. I think it's a bigger upside that Duff is much bigger going out and doing something like that with Bauer. Syndergaard goes to the bullpen. That's really how we're going to do it. You still go out, get another guy like uh, Hendricks or a hand. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can't wait to listen to what you got to say tomorrow night about hand. Yeah, um, but yes. that's really what I would do the most. Well, Mark, I appreciate the call and all and all the tweets all the time. That's uh, I, I, finally you picked up the phone. I love that. Um, but um, what I wanted to say very quickly was just Tommy John surgery isn't an end all be all to pitchers. I mean, many or most of them have had it, and you don't have to look any farther than I believe Jacob Degrom had it as well. So you know, it's not an end all be all. That's all. It's not a death sentence. That's all. So um, yeah, you'll tune in tomorrow night. I'm sure. I'll have that statistical analysis between Hand and Hendricks for you guys, for sure. Okay, I'm a little bit late to the break here, so get aboard 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Brooklyn Nets basketball is right here on The Fan. Be listening tomorrow night at 6.50 as they wrap up their short road trip against the Charlotte Hornets. Streaming on your smart speaker, mobile device, laptop, and tablet at WFAN.com and on your radio at Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Is this supposed to be a challenge here, Emmanuel? Raymond is back. Little Miss Sunshine Rihanna, where are you at? Gave you an easy one. Yeah, that, that's that's too easy. Come on, challenge me. I like to be challenged. I am a, a, a competitor. Challenge me. By the way, my name is Danielle McCartan, and he's Emmanuel. And we are here on the fan at 2.24 in the morning on December 26th. Welcome back, everybody. We're That's a little theme that we were having tonight. Right? He's trying to stump me on the, on the songs coming back in. Um, I'm undefeated so far tonight. Also, I've got a ton of tweets coming in about this is like a smorgasbord of, of, of or when you watch Jeopardy, because I, I do watch Jeopardy every single night. Um, I used to watch it every single night with a bowl of ice cream in my helmet cup with a Hershey syrup and, and sprinkles. But now, you know, I'm getting a little older. I do it like twice or three times a week now, not every single night. But they call it potpourri on Jeopardy. Uh, we're talking about how to make hockey um, more watchable as well. Oh, I just lost the tweet. Uh, oh, yeah. So this is uh, at Dane Golf 1960. Okay, so we were just going back and forth on Twitter. He says, hockey has but but needs to use more cameras on the other side of the rink because the boards hides the, the boards hide the puck. That's true. When it gets down into that corner and we're watching it on TV, I didn't even think of that. And he said, for those of us who played, it doesn't matter. But those of us who haven't played but still know what's going on, when you lose the puck, you know, it can get kicked from one end to the other, and all of a sudden the puck's all the way down to the other end. You're like, how'd it get there? So I also got a DM from Dennis, and he said that uh, sitting in the corner of a hockey arena allows you the uh, the best vantage point there. Um, so to improve the viewing experience of hockey on TV, we now move to um, a theme of the night has been how to improve or uh, the, not the likability of, but the game of baseball. It, it's it's too slow, even for the avid baseball fan like I am. I mean, it's just too slow sometimes. 
We've had some suggestions here tonight, some good ones, um, using the second screen, engaging the fans in a, both at home and in the stadium using a second screen somehow, like some sort of contest or something. That's one thing. Um, I also, we talked about walk-up musics. How about it's not the, the same song every single time, the same part even of that same song every single time? Um, we had a suggestion, I forget who it was, earlier in the night, said, why don't you just keep playing the song throughout? You know, I And I immediately, when he said it, put myself back into the New York Liberty Games at the Westchester County Center of how they pretty much play music throughout. They pump the music throughout. Um, yeah, but for baseball, I don't think that works. I think basketball is a little bit more, I guess, I don't know, lively, I guess. I know that's the whole point of this whole conversation here, but I think basketball, it works a lot better for it rather than baseball. So, and we've got also a lot of Jets talk tonight, a lot of Giants talk tonight as well. Um, and I will have that statistical breakdown between Brad Hand and, uh, was it, Liam Hendricks for you guys coming up tomorrow night. I'm um, again, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. tomorrow. Um, right now, I'll tell you I'm leaning Hand, but I can be convinced. I also have to look at the, the price point dollar amount as well. So let's go to Eric in Ronkonkoma. Eric, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel. Good morning. How Good morning. are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Okay, I'm going to rattle off three things real quick. I originally had two. Okay, mm-hmm. the, as far as Syndergaard, I think he was better than Cole uh, when he was with Pittsburgh. I think Syndergaard's issue is more mental. because, I, And I was thinking the same thing right before you said it. His issue was he had it in his head that he had to get stronger, and he screwed himself up when he put on all that you know, muscle, even though, even though everyone told him not to. Right. So that, that was, you know, a lot of his a lot of his issue, I think, is might be maturity issues on there. But uh, you know the the very fact that uh, one he hasn't worked with Hefner yet, and and he's you know liking uh, the the Cohen thing, I think is a big plus. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's that's one thing. Yeah, um, agreed. Just real quick on the Giants, you know, I'm hearing a lot of talk lately about the Giants comparing uh, Daniel Jones to Eli. But let's let's get one thing straight on here. I don't think Eli ever was going to be the quarterback this year, no matter what. So they got to let Eli go. I understand the guy never got hurt. Okay, but that's also a part of the reason why he had to stop because he had all that wear and tear on his body. Nobody brings that up hmm. on there. You know, I mean, he, you know, granted, and the guy won two quarterbacks, you know, uh, two uh, Super Bowls, you know, uh, on his resume, which he should on there. But, you know, the, when you compare the Jones to Eli, you can't do it because Eli wasn't going to be playing this year. I mean, by his own admission, he was pretty much done. So. Uh, that's the last thing, and and mm-hmm. as far as the Jets, you, you said it perfectly on that because the yeah, it's not so much the issue of the bad coach or whatever because you know teams are going to have bad coaches or whatever. The hierarchy was is the issue, and exactly when you said that both of them report to uh, Christopher Johnson separately, mm-hmm. r- right off the bat, you know, big red flag right there. It should never be that way. It's supposed to be the coach to the to the GM to the owner, right? On there, I mean, yeah, that's why Bill O'Brien had a big issue because he took on both parts, mm-hmm. and he, the guy wasn't a GM. And look at the the moves he made, right? On there, yeah. So uh, I just wanted to throw that out there because that's uh, you know there's a couple of those things have been driving me crazy on there, and uh, you know, well, you know, let's just let the the end of the year uh, play out. As far as hockey, look, I, I've been a hockey fan for forever, um, and you know. It's you know, there are certain yes, there's certain angles, you know, for the to watch it that are kind of hard, but you can get that in the arena as well, right? You know, where you don't always see everything. So I mean, I, I 
I love nothing more than watching hockey on TV. To me, that's the that's the best sport I think to watch on TV. Oh, really? Quite honestly, the, the but, uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll speak to you. I'll speak to you tomorrow, Danielle. You have a great night. And thanks, Eric. Appreciate the call. Um, yeah, just the camera kind of bugs me. And and the suggestion I had actually was to have you know like in the NFL how they have like that hanging camera like over the middle of the field. I almost want to see like that, like a rotational, centrally located, that can be moved sort of camera. Try that in a hockey game because, therefore, it almost feels like you're on the ice um, and, and there's no angle that, that you can't see. Also, my mind just went to, I think it was the Fox broadcast. I forget which game it was. I saw it come up on Twitter where, like, the cameraman or the, somehow they got a camera basically on the field with the players. That was cool. I'm sorry I don't have the exact details for you, but I believe it was Fox Sports, I think. And it wasn't the whole game. It was just for like on a touchdown. I saw on a touchdown. It was like you were in the in the celebration with the player who scored, which I thought was awesome because I always wanted to play football. <laughs> uh, let's go to Ben in Queens. Ben, you're on the fan. Well, you, you're going to appreciate this because the NFL stole that from the XFL. They Remember, did? one of the XFL things was we're going to have a camera following the players in and out of the huddle, da 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 And then all of a sudden this season... What did the NFL have? We see that guy coming running, not just during a touchdown, but while plays in action. You know, so the, th- probably, one- yeah, Ben, probably the reason why I didn't know that is because, I don't know if anybody knows, but I used to work. You were on the sideline. Yeah, I was doing a, a bunch of stuff with the XFL Guardian, so I, I wasn't watching much of it on TV. I was actually, like, there. So, yeah, it's a good good point. Yeah, but just like just like the sky cam that follows it. Yes. That, Stole from the the first iteration of the XFL. So there it goes. But there's a lot tonight, and you know what? Let me start with a misconception that's been hanging, and it's going to be like decades I've been on the station and and talking about this, mm-hmm. okay? You had a caller three segments ago to say, no, no, coach, don't do that. Don't call yourself a nerd. <laughs> News for you people out there, okay? <laughs> and you see my Twitter. You know I'm quite the nerd. I said this with Tony Page, and we got a laugh out of it. Matter of fact, we had some people calling angry after I said what I said. Oh, no. <laughs> what? If, if you gamble, if you play fantasy sports of any type, if you uh, check out like players' contracts and you're trying to figure out the salary cap, mm-hmm. guess what? You're a nerd. <laughs> I I'm embrace sorry. it. I know yeah. I am. I embrace it. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I may not like analytics, how much people are depending on it, but I know that nerdism has been a part of sports for like 75 years now. Ben, you know what, you know what kills me? I just wrote down, I'd rather be a nerd than be wrong. I could still be wrong, but I, at least I'm informed and wrong. You know what I mean? You know, here, here, here it is, folks. For a long time, people who've watched Revenge of the Nerds, the movie series, the nerds didn't win then. The nerds took over the sport. So, so you know, the athletes play on the field, but even you got athletes thinking about, well, my fantasy numbers and my... Uh, <laughs> it, they won in the end. For, for uh, the baseball, hockey, on TV aspect, here's the thing, right? You never hear this complaint about hockey when it's the world or the Olympics. Why? Because that, just like you just pointed out, that camera angle is higher. So you're getting more of the ice. You right. don't lose that puck right away. Right. 
The problem is with North American stadiums is the camera is in a fixed point, and it has blind spots. Right. And unfortunately, a lot of the action for hockey happens in the blind spots, mm -hmm. which is the corners or right behind the net. You know, there's, you get those blind spots. So there's the thing with TV. I often say that hockey is the best game. If you go to Hockey Live, you become a fan for life. Oh, yeah. Hockey Live uh, is amazing. I love know, going to Hockey Live. You know, and then when you watch it on TV, you just remember your live experience and yeah. you're able to get through it. Yeah. With baseball, it's funny. When you're at a baseball game, it's the coolest experience. You're flying through it. The problem with it is, and I'm uh, sorry, I got to get announcers and I got to get how you schedule your commercials and all of this, uh, their communication stations and stuff like that. You bring these uh, commu uh, commercial break every two seconds. Mm, I know, and it's then, killer, isn't it? <laughs> and it feels much longer than it is. So, Ben, uh, my, my suggestion there would be, because uh, to, to, I thought about that too, I thought critically about that, do like almost like, and I, they're starting to, but like a picture in picture, picture. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hey, it, I'll tell you, it's worked in NASCAR beautifully. Yeah. It, it, it feels like it flies through. Mm -hmm. And now finally, I, I could hit basketball, but you know, the football's come up enough and, and you got my note about Duke basketball and yes. we'll probably, we'll get into that tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But sure. in terms of Jet fans with this, honestly, just let it happen. Because I'm seeing Jeff fans work themselves in a frenzy, da da da, da <laughs> and you know how I feel already. I think the Jags have beaten the Bears. But look, whatever happens, happens. Because how many times have we had high draft picks and squandered it? How many times have we made the pick we wanted in the draft and, you know, it was a dud? Right now, right now, play out the season, let no one get seriously hurt, and then we'll move on. But but you know what? It makes for good talk radio, you know. And, and I'll leave on this point. I told y'all, if you play fantasy sports, if you gamble, you're a nerd. It's too late. I'm sorry, jocks. You got to learn to coexist. Coach, thanks for the time. Enjoy. Appreciate it. Talk to you tomorrow night, Ben. I appreciate that. Um, you know, as he, I just wrote something down as he was talking about when you get the pick that you want, and it still turns out to be a dud. I actually was. As a fan, I wasn't any sort of like doing any of this at this time. I started late in life with this whole gig, but um, not late in life. I'm I'm 32 right now. Ooh, 32. But um, I was there when the Jets drafted Geno Smith. And I don't know if it came through on the TV, but the entire upper deck of Radio City was booing the pick. I felt bad for him in the moment. I did. Like that sucks to be booed like that. And you know, you just got. It's like the happiest day of your whole entire life, and then you know you get booed. But um, yeah, I, he didn't work out clearly. <laughs> that because Ben, as you were talking, that kind of just popped into my mind. Um, and maybe another suggestion I have. Let me think for for baseball. Um, I just the commercials is definitely one. The challenges definitely take too long. The um, the mound visits are are, are brutal. Um, we are not operating like. In 19-whatever, when you know, whatever, a long time ago. We're, we're operating in the, the current situation here. But I think, I think, well, I've come, I came up with it. I think my suggestion of using like a, um, like a sort of microphone system between catcher and pitcher that you could just, or and catcher, pitcher, and dugout even, if you wanted to go in that triangle. Um, but 
I think that that it would immediately um, rectify a lot of the guesswork in pitching. Like, there is no guesswork when a quarterback goes into the huddle. There's just no guesswork. That The play is the play, and that's it. And it comes from a coordinator. Maybe you have a pitching coordinator. I mean, I'm just inventing jobs now, but I would like to be a pitching coordinator who has all of the um, the data in front of them in this room in a dugout, right? And, okay, you look at, I don't know, Aaron Judge is coming up to bat. You know he cannot hit the low outside corner. So the pitch coordinator would come in there and say, how, how to set up, how, how to, had to set the table, right, in order to strike Aaron Judge out. And the pitcher would have total confidence in this person, and the catcher would have total confidence in person because they're looking at monitors and they're going to be able to figure it out. So as long as the pitcher and catcher can execute, there it is. Is that not unlike the NFL? Or you can have the pitcher call his own pitches, you know, hide his glove, hide his mouth with his glove and call his own pitchers. But I wanted to bring this up. Baseball, I think, has a much bigger issue than really any of the things that we've been talking about tonight. Much bigger. And I ran a poll on Twitter if you wanted to go ahead and cheat. It's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. It was a couple days ago. Um, I ran a poll, and it confirmed my suspicions. Did I catch you? Did I hook you enough? Well, if I didn't. Whatever. I'm going to explain it after the break. But baseball has a much bigger issue than pitch counts and clocks and all this stuff. And I'm going to give it to you right on the other side of this break. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan in New York City. Welcome back to The Fan, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan. Carton after midnight. And Emmanuel, my producer Emmanuel, and I are playing this game of uh, name that tune or just being able to recognize the tune. And uh, this, I believe the name of the song is, I don't know the name of the song, but it's this Lil Wayne song. The fact you got a lollipop just from the instrumental is still impressive. See, I'm good at this. If anybody is listening in, in L.A. for that show of, like, name my whatever tune, whatever that show is, please give us a call here. We'll give you the hotline number even. just I would like to win some life-changing money is, how, is what they phrased it as, which I could, I could use it. Can't everybody use it? And um, we're, we're, I'm getting tons and tons of tweets. I really can't keep up with them right at the moment here, but I will get back to you guys at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N about um, different ways to improve. Now, we've branched off into baseball and hockey, but right before the break, and if you guys want to get aboard with your ideas, it's 877-337-6666. Right before the break, I, I kind of teased that baseball has a bigger problem than pitch clocks, mound visits, second screens, all that, right? We already brought it up once tonight. A caller brought it up once tonight. I had a caller last weekend from California. Beverly Hills is what, where he's from, allegedly. But he called in asking about, and you heard it before, why don't we talk about Mike Trout more here in New York? He, Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. He went on this whole rant. Why don't, why don't we talk about him? Well, one, and this is another thing, too, games are on too late. I work a regular job during the week, and for me to stay up to watch a baseball game till 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, it's just not possible. And you know who else it's not possible for? The kids who go to school. Though It's not possible. You know, I, I missed out on, on Mariano Rivera a lot. I didn't really get to, because the games are on too late. That's the first point. So the East Coast games are on too late. You think I'm going to be staying up till 2 a.m. to watch an Angels game? I would love to, but I can't. Number two about Mike Trout, he plays on an irrelevant team for the most part. 
And three, this is the main point I wanted to make. Major League Baseball does not know how to market its stars. I saw a comment, I forget who it was from, excuse me, but on on my poll, asking if this was like their litmus test. If they could ask their mother, who would she recognize? And then that's a household name or something like that. So the poll I put up was, who is the most recognizable, quote unquote, face of their respective league? And why did you choose that selection? And you can also write in select. So I gave uh, four choices because that's the most that Twitter allows you to do. So I gave LeBron James, Patrick Mahomes, Mike Trout, or Alexander Ovechkin. Who is the most recognizable face of their respective league? 80% of you said LeBron James. 15 said Patrick Mahomes, which was interesting to me, and I'll tell you why in a second. Mike Trout. Oh, no, I'm sorry. And then in third place came Alexander Ovechkin. Mike Trout was the least recognizable out of all of them. But obviously LeBron James, right? He's been around forever. Okay, we get it. But Mike, but Patrick Mahomes and Alexander Ovechkin, they play their sports under gear, helmets, pads, all that. Mike Trout does not. Mike Trout, there's a cap. And there's a helmet. His face is visible all the time. That's a problem. You can't blame it on anything else. You can't blame it on, oh, well, they don't see his face totally on the broadcast. Hockey moves too fast. We're talking about how to improve watching hockey on TV. Hockey moves too fast. The cameras are so you know wide that you can't really see their faces. So the fact that Mike Trout garnered only 2% of the vote as the most recognizable face of their respective league, that's a major issue for baseball. And then that commenter that wrote asking their mother, well, as you guys know, if you follow me on Twitter, my, my, I tweet some of the things that my mom says sometimes, and she, she doesn't know really, but <laughs> she would be funny to have a segment on, I think, about. But what she said was, I asked both her and my dad the same question because I was sitting there when the results came through. My mom's response was she knows who LeBron, her vote was LeBron James. And then her direct quote was, Actually, I thought Mike Trout was on football. That's a direct quote. And my dad said that he recognizes LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes. And he said, and Mike Trout because he does commercials. And we're big sports fans in my house. So that's the point I wanted to make. That Trout versus Ovechkin at the bottom there. Ovechkin wears a helmet and pads and everything. He's not really visible. And yet he still is more recognizable than Mike Trout. And I could probably put Mookie Betts. I bet you less people would know who Mookie Betts is than Mike Trout. That's my that's my gut feeling. I'm not sure. All right, back to the phones. Rick in Massapequa. Rick, you're on the fan. Daniel, the fans bell. I hope your holidays are going very well. <laughs> Young Daniel. Rick, you're I love a great it. coach and a great teacher. That's what your students all say. It's time for you to set an example, show some courage, and help me shut down sports until May. <laughs> Hello, Danielle. How are you this evening? Love it, Rick. How, how are you? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and all those things to you, your mom and dad and all those things and everybody out there. And speaking about there, I need your help with a couple things, kid. Are you ready? Okay. I'll do the best I can. That's my 2020 motto. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> well, it's, we're all doing the best we can, but we're truly, truly not. And that's why I fight with your place every single day. I don't understand. 
And this is what I'll say to you. Do you think, forget the vaccines, do you think, like, have you seen that people that have to wait online for hours upon hours to get their tests for the COVID? I have, I've, yes. Mm-hmm. It's horrible, right? Yep. People all over the, okay. The players get them instantly. Not just the players, but everybody around them, so on and so forth. And all down the line get their tests immediately, which is horribly wrong just to begin with. And I don't understand this young lady. I just don't get it in a thousand years. How are we blind to the fact that all of this COVID is so bad? And then we say, oh, we need sports. We need sports to calm us down. We need to relax. Let me tell you something. You got to have empathy. You got to think about people that like innocent people in jail, people with no arms, no legs, veterans in the hospitals, people who have it so horribly bad, okay, that all we're asking you to do is not wear masks and shut down sports for a few months. This thing is beyond comprehension. And you know what's going to happen? A few people, players are going to have to die. And then they're going to say, oh, yeah, we should have done it. We should have done this. The coach from Duke, uh, Mr. Shusevsky, God bless him. You're kidding or what? You're a, how are you showing kids that you got traveling all over the world, all over the country to play sports when people are dying everywhere? And I'll just leave you with this, and I wish you the best to prove that, and just to show you how screwed up sports is and all your radio stations. Uh, I mean, because it, it's scary. But here's a point, and it's going to be off the road. But you listen to what I'm saying. You, I've talked about this in the past. People with the concussions in football, it was horrible, horrible what they went through. And you know what? They went through years of litigation, and they got millions of dollars. So explain to me this, and I'm not against boxing, okay? How do you let, okay, you hypocrites on every one of you, let MMA sports continue where they beat their brains in, okay? beat their brains in and they come up, oh no, it's a different kind of hurt, a different kind of hurt. And that's how full of crap, truthfully, that all you are. I mean, you let... So as soon as that gets condescending, it's out. And I let the one go and that's it. You guys know I don't hang up on people. Condescension, I I, I can't do. Sorry. Sorry about that. Carmine in the Bronx. Carmine, are you there? Hello? Oh yeah, hi. It didn't light up on the screen. What's up, Carmine? You say uh, speeding up the game. Yes. How about the umpires learn how to make the right calls? They're always reviewing. <laughs> well, how about I'll, get, I'll do one better. How about an electronic umpire, electronic strike zone? Never, well, never it, wrong. It's something out of the game, but I see games every time I'm at there. Mm-hmm. I see, like you see it, the guys either safe by a foot or out by a foot, and they're reviewing, they're reviewing. Where are the umpires looking at? Do you notice that what I noticed? That yes, they're yes. They're in the and, right spot. They can't get the play right. And there's some of them, uh, it's like they're, they're umping with their eyes closed. There's some of them that do it more than others. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, almost. I just can't believe like uh, nobody ever brought that up because yeah. the umpires yeah. have to practice uh, before the game how to call a play. I know. Carmine, you know what's funny? And I was just thinking, I just flashed back to like my coaching days. Like you watch. The the how do I say it? it's like you watch the strike zone of each and every umpire like you get accustomed like okay Carmine's my umpire today okay I know he calls high strikes and then you base your game plan off of the strike zone of an umpire which I think is absurd. 
then then I hear them say, "Well, you got to go along with the umpire. He's calling this today and calling that." Yeah, that's tomorrow. what I'm saying. Yeah, that's that what ain't I'm the way you will learn how to play baseball. Right? Strikers are strikeable. You got to go right. with the umpire says. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, even at the high school level. Thing. Yeah. I don't know. I played a lot of ball. I wasn't good, but I love baseball. Mm-hmm. I see sometimes they're stealing second base. And the umpire's in back, uh, in, like in the wrong position. Yes. He's in the back. How does he know if the guy touched the base or not? Correct. Like a lot of times they're in the wrong position, too. Right. right. And, and I don't it, understand what they're teaching in baseball. I mean, in, I know. in umpire school, well, sometimes they, the guy's not even in the right position. I know. And that's the thing. And it's almost like they're just looking at does ball beat, you know, beat yeah, slide, know. and that's it. I mean, that's uh, the call. Uh, yeah, Danielle, I want to ask you one more thing. I don't, yeah. What is it, like, say a person hits the ball to the right side. Okay. They don't want them to play that way. They want they they don't want them to do that. Like a position, like a guy hits the right side, you play him that way. They don't want that to happen. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what you mean. Say that one more time. Like if you no, hit to the right like side, sometimes like the... they say that, like um, you know, the guy hits to the right side, right. so they don't want the players on the field to shift. Oh, that the way. shift. Oh, I mean, what are they doing to baseball? Is that true? What I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I got it right. Yeah, you got it right. So what happens is, and, and Carmine, thanks for the call. What happens is, as you guys know, on the shift there, um, Manuel, I can't clear that off the thing. Um, but what happens is, if if the shift happens, you know, if you if you're hit to the right, every, all the fielders kind of move to the to the right in order to to take away a hit from you. I think that um, I think the shift is fine. And this is another suggestion to improve the game of baseball, right? And we can all talk about the shift. I think the shift is fine. I don't want to outlaw any sort of shift. You know what I want to do? I want the fielders. I mean, I mean, I want the batters to be able to, uh, I don't know, get back to the fundamentals of hitting. If you have four fielders from second base on moving over to first base, if you have four fielders there, guess what you're going to do? You're going to lay down a nice big old bunt. That's, that's, you know what I mean? Like, that makes baseball exciting. And then, like, DJ LeMahieu, you have to play him straight up because he could spray the field, spray the ball all over the field, wherever. That's what makes him so integral. The number one coveted free agent, uh, at least position player, in the entire Major League Baseball. So, the shift to outlaw the shift to make everybody get played straight up, I don't like it. Because what does that do? It kind of sort of extends games. What I'm saying is, take the hitters, back to the, the cages and teach them how to hit, you know, base, baseballs fundamentally. I think we can get one in right before the break here. Brian in Weston, Ohio, you're on the fan, Brian. Hey, Danielle, happy holidays, and I hope Santa Claus came and visited you last night. <laughs> he did, thank you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> hey, I got a couple ideas for hockey and one for baseball. I was wondering what you think, and I'm sure it's been said, but how about the sky cam for hockey? Yes, we talked about that. Great idea. See? Yep. And what about getting hockey to uh, somehow get out of this deal with NBC and get them on some TV channels that people have? Yeah, I know, right? NBC Sports Network is where you're talking, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I know it used to be versus, and then nobody could find it. Yeah, and... it's hard. I know. Yep. So, yeah, those two for hockey and for baseball, why not mic up the players? That's always I a love great it. time when they do it. Love that idea. And, you know, Pete Alonso for the Mets said he would be open to doing it. Now, obviously, first base, yeah, he gets a lot of traffic, and... so do it. Yes. 
Yeah, and you want to know who the players are. When they're mic'd up, you're going to learn their attitudes. You're going to learn a little bit about them. You're right? probably going to learn something about the game, too. Right. You know, Brian, when, when they get to the bases and you see the conversation between the runner and the and the fielder, they're all laughing, you know, like, I want to know what they're talking about. I do. Exactly. I mean, you've already got the three-second, seven-second delay if you need it. Yep. But, yeah, you mic up the first baseman, that'd be great. An outfielder that's got to go catch the ball is always fun. They did Even that. how he's going to yeah. play the next batter. Brian, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say they did that. The Colorado Rockies did that with uh, Blackman. And they had yeah. him in the— And that was a, it was exciting all, as all get out. It was awesome because they said, okay, the next guy's coming up. And he's like, hey, you checked his car. And he's like, all right, I'm going to play this guy straight up because— And you can learn so much, you're right, about the game of baseball by just listening and being a part of the conversation of, of all that. I'm with you. I love it. Oh, it's um, yeah, and it's amazing. And even to hear the talk between the pitcher and the catcher when they come out for the round visits, yep. you don't like round visits. Nobody likes round visits, but at least it'd make it watchable. Right. Or, or even when the manager comes out and takes a picture that doesn't want to come out. How about that? I would love to hear that conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear some of that. <laughs> well, it's good talking to you, Danielle. Happy holidays. and Here's to a better 21. Thanks, Brian. You too. Appreciate it. Um, and the other thing, too, is, is, is I also thought about this. How about you just eliminate the fact that the manager has to go out and ceremoniously take out the pitcher out of the game, take the ball from the hand, pat him on the back and say, Good job, man. And then call in the other guy. Like, that's just so much. Why don't you just do this? Why doesn't the outgoing pitcher just place the ball on the rubber and walk off? Because we already know who's going to be coming into the game because the, the, the manager has already signaled it from the dugout. So outgoing pitcher, place it on the on the thing. Maybe you have to do an exit interview. How about that? Outgoing pitcher exit interviews. See, we're coming up with so many ideas. Can someone put me on a committee somewhere, please? I would appreciate that. <laughs> And it's, uh, I was going to say it's football Sunday. I'm used to being on Saturday night. So um, if you have more ideas on how to improve the game of baseball or even hockey, we. Welcome back, everybody. At the top of the hour, the top of the three o'clock hour here in New York. You know what that means? That means there's only one more hour left of the show. So it's just one more hour. If you guys get aboard, 877-337-6666. Um, we kind of switching up the topics a little bit tonight uh, on this, uh, I guess, which is a Saturday morning here. Um, we're really talking about, obviously, the Jets, obviously the Giants. Jets and their head coach ideas, I guess. Uh, there's, there's structural um, hierarch- hierarchical problems that, that are there in the Jets that exist. We're also talking about the New York Giants and a little bit about moral victories as well. But really dominating. And, and also, too, I'm wearing a Brooklyn Nets long sleeve t-shirt here. And, and I'm, I have on NBA TV here in the studio. It's like the 10th time I've seen LeBron James give an interview uh, after the game. Oh, you know what I want to say? I, me and my brother, we were all watching the, uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets game before. And what they were doing at the TD Bank Garden Arena, is that the name of it? The Boston, where the Boston Celtics play. They, they had, obviously there's no fans, right? So what they did was they brought the banners, all the championship banners down from the rafters and put them basically like, they cleared out like a section of seats and they put them right there. Do you guys see that? I thought that was an awesome touch, really. Because the, the, the lone shot, the, the, the shot that kind of resonates with me or, or resonated with me was when, um, Kevin Durant was taking that foul shot, the single foul shot after the technical foul by the, the Boston Celtics coach. Kevin Durant was taking the shot, and then there were 
the four banners, they're huge. I never like actually seen one up close in person, obviously. They're humongous. And I thought that was like a really poignant shot. I don't know. I just, I like the look of it. I think it's intimidating in a way because it's never been done before. So I, I kind of, I don't want to give Boston props really for anything, but I thought that was a pretty cool, um, nice touch. Nice touch, should I say. Okay, so let's go uh, back to the phones. 877-337-6666 is where we go to Comac, New York. And Dave, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how are you? I'm good, Dave. What's up? Let's see. You know what I think? As far as before I forget, and I'm a Yankee fan, I think that the uh, the surprise that Steve Cohen has for the for the fans is Wait, that uh, Dave. One second. So what this is? Uh, there's like this rumor circulating around Twitter by this unverified account that just I don't know seems to just be tweeting things just for likes, and I'm not like that, but. I'll tell you what I think the surprise is. Wait, wait. I'm just explaining for the people who didn't see it. So what basically this is is the fact that this account is saying that the Steve Cohen has a huge surprise for the New York Mets on Christmas Day, which, by the way, it's not Christmas Day anymore. But what do you think this surprise is if, in fact, there is one, Dave? Uh, and I'm a Yankee fan, right? Here's my prediction. DJ LeMayo is going to be signing with the New York Mets. And Cashman's going to look like a moron when everything is said and done. Mm, I know. Wouldn't that be a dagger if you're a Yankee fan? You watch. Tomorrow, that's what you're going to find out, that DJ LeMayu is signing with the Mets. And Cashman's going to look like an idiot. Well, Dave, the whole play on, on what yeah, on what Cashman is doing is, you know, we want him to come back. Here's a they big... did that with Kurt Schilling, and the, and the Red Sox yeah. ended up uh, uh, getting uh, Kurt Schilling. Remember that back in 2000, uh, yeah. 2003? Yep, I remember. And But what I'm saying is how, how they went all full-court press on, on Garrett Cole, did they not? And then now... DJ LeMahieu, they're like, yeah, we'll 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 fill them out. You know, Steinbrenners don't care. They don't want to spend any money. They don't want to win as badly What's as up they did that? back in the day. You know, Dave, I I, th- I think the window for the Yankees is closing faster than people want to want to admit. So why not just go for it at this point in time, right? They don't want to spend the money. But, They've done nothing with their pitching. They don't play small ball, meaning you know, get a, a single, double, right. whatever. Right? Uh-huh. They mm-hmm. swing at the fences. They live and die by the home run. Yep. And, and you can't you can't have a team. That in the playoffs, they're not going to give you anything good to hit at. You just can't rely on the home run. I'm sorry. I, I'm totally with you. Totally and you know what you. I think? I think that the Yankees are not even going to make the playoffs this year. If they do, they've gone in the first round. And I said the same thing last year, mm-hmm. last last season, the season that just ended, I should say. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. The same thing. They got not even made it out of the first round. Right. And this time around, they're done again. They're going to be done again. You know, Cashman has done absolutely nothing with the pitching. You don't have CC yeah. Sabathia anymore. Yep. Right. You don't have Phil Coke. You don't have Severino's unreliable <laughs> injured. Yep. You don't have uh, who's the other one? Patances is with the Mets. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. All those players, and you don't have Andrew Miller. That was a big mistake. They should have. That was that was a big mistake. But you know, the the biggest question I have for the Yankees moving in into this year, and Dave, thanks for the call. I appreciate the passion there. Um, who's the number two starter? In fact, who's number two, three, four? What is that rotation going to look like? We've seen it time and time and time again in the playoffs. Short series, you throw, I just, the Astros just popped into my mind when they had, it was Cole, Verlander, Morton. That's what they went with. Who would the Yankees roll out in a playoff situation right now, in a postseason situation? Garrett Cole, um... That's a, a, a poignant pause on purpose. Um, head scratch. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, and I think, you know, when you look at the guys around the diamond, you know, they're going to have to be paid or traded at some point in time. I think it's 
I think if Brett Gardner comes back to this Yankee team, uh, he was a great Yankee. Thank you for all the memories, Brett Gardner. You're the only guy left from the 2009 championship team. I get it. But Clint Frazier has absolutely earned the spot. Maybe if you bring Brett Gardner back on like a ridiculously tiny deal as just an insurance policy, blah, blah, blah. But Clint Frazier should be your everyday starting left fielder, not only because he was um, so markedly improved on his defense, I mean, to the fact to the point where he was a gold glove finalist, but for his, what he could do at the plate. Clint Frazier is your left fielder if you're the Yankee fan, and and, and there's no if ands, or buts about it, okay? Um, I, I, and so what I'm saying is the youth movement with this Yankees team, they're going to have to pay these kids, kids, you know, air quotes, kids, sooner rather than later. The biggest mistake to Brian Cashman's name um, isn't just letting Andrew Miller go. The biggest mistake is a John Carlos Stanton contract. We talk about it pretty much once a week here on, on my show here, but this week I was on a little more than that. But that that contract, I didn't want him at the time. I'm on the record. I did not want him at the time. You couldn't tell me, oh, MVP, this and that. They already had a, a player like him in Aaron Judge on that roster. There was no need to go out and get somebody that was the basically a clone of, of, Aaron, of Aaron Judge, the way that they look. They play at the outfield. They're they're hurt often, and the the approach of the plate is exactly the same. You could strike them both out on, on a curveball, off speed, something in the dirt out outside. That's it. So no, the Yankees didn't need that player. No matter if Derek Jeter was gift wrapping him in Chanel uh, tissue paper, they didn't need it. But that is the biggest mistake Brian Cashman's ever made. Let's go up to or out to sorry Ed in Coney Island. Ed, you're on the fan. Hi Danielle. Um... You know, there are so many stats in baseball, mm-hmm. and some of them I really have no use for. But one that I I'm really would like to see but never see is a stat on umpires. Why can't we get a percentage of how many times their calls are overturned? I think it's out there. I think it's out there. I'm, tr- I'm just trying to Google it as you talk. I mean, well, go ahead. You never see it on, on, you know, on the screen oh, or never. TV or anything. Oh, never. No, no, no. Nope. I'd be interested to know. I agree with you. And... and, and uh, there's a, an account on Twitter, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but there's an account on Twitter that, that tracks the accuracy of, of every single ball and strike call by an umpire. It's amazing. Well, I mean, the, the ball and strike, uh, that, that's, a, that's a little subjective, I think, depending on the camera angles and things like that. But certainly, how many times, you know, if a guy makes 10 calls at first base and eight of them are overturned, mm-hmm. I mean, he's... He's batting 200 as an up. I don't think that's too good. <laughs> I know. And actually, I just found this site. It's on the Denver Post. I know it's from 2015, but it says, more than 1,300 replays were reviewed in the MLB in 2015. Here's which umpires had their calls overturned most often. So there's this guy, Ben May. Okay, I don't know if he's still an umpire, but Ben May, he had 13 plays reviewed, 12 of which were overturned. 92%! <laughs> or Phil Cuzzy. 17 plays reviewed, 13 of them were overturned. So this so is 2015. Even if, even if it was just guessing, you'd figure we'd get 50% right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the Jets. They, they, they were bound to win one game. This is guy's bound to get one of them right, right? Well, I mean, is there really a need for the umpires on the bases anymore? Because, I mean, so most of the calls are obvious. The calls that aren't obvious are always reviewed. Mm. And so the, the, the review is really making the call anyway. So... Why do we even need them? You know, that's almost, that's a good point. That's almost like XFL style where it's like, okay, uh, 
Close call right up to the booth. There's no challenge, no nothing. Just look at it really quick, really quick, really quick. Make a decision. Boom. Done. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe before. now we're getting real crazy here, Ed. Thanks for the call. Um, eliminating umpires on the bases. Eliminating umpires behind the plate, even. I would be, because I like things uniform, I would be in favor of an electronic strike zone. I think it's a good point that, yes, all close calls are in, reviewed, most of them anyway, about base umps. It's, that's hard, though, because even like on like I'm thinking I just popped into my mind like a foul ball down the line. I mean, you have to have the exact camera angle to make that. So I think having the backup to a human on the bases is more beneficial than just having a human behind the plate. I, I, I'm in favor of an electronic strike zone. If it keeps the game, um, I guess I'll use the word honest. And, and, and how does how does an umpire have 92% of his calls overturned in 2015? This is just the first thing. As I'm talking, this is what came up. I mean, come on. Can you imagine if you were wrong in your job 92.31% of the time? You'd probably not have a job anymore. I, right? John in Staten Island, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning. Happy, uh, Merry Christmas. Merry How's Christmas to you, too. Thank you. Uh, I'm not used to you being on a Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And, and the time difference, too. But what do you got for me tonight? Uh, so are you in tomorrow or no? Yes, I am. 2 to 6 tomorrow, All right, too. Good. All right, good. Um, yeah, just talking baseball. I mean, you know, I got my Sunday plan, and, uh, you know, to me, Trout, I watched Trout play once. He is unbelievable. I mean, sometimes that's what's good when you get to see the other players. Uh-huh. But, uh. I yeah, would love to. I would love to just be able to stay up late enough to watch it. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, no, well, I'm, you know, me, I'm old. Please pass my bedtime half the time. I'm like <laughs> watching it, but uh, you know, that's what's tough too because I have the you know twenty game plan and they'll give you a few midweek games. You know, and it's it's tough. You know, because you know me, I, I usually get up four four o'clock in the morning, so yeah. it's kind of tough. Think about the kids going to school. There's no way they could stay up and watch those games. But the kids, the kids don't. You know, I know when my daughter played, you know, I try, because baseball is always my favorite sport, but, mm-hmm. you know, basketball, was, you like basketball better. You know, it's kind of tough. You're sitting there waiting for something to happen. You know, it, it's a little tougher. I mean, basketball market's better. You could play basketball by yourself. You really can't play baseball by yourself. I you know, know, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's kind of tough. But I mean, you know, a lot of the old school, I'm an old school fan, but uh, I, I don't think the younger generation, I mean, Football is all gambling, you know, 16-game season. It's a lot easier to follow than 162 games, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and that's so the thing, that, too. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, I do fantasy, which I had Kamara, which, you oh, know. Oh, you had him? Good for you. Yeah, but I had him two Yeah, but unfortunately, I was eliminated two weeks ago. But I could have used his six touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying, yeah. I'm telling you, the story of my life. I, John, I thought you were going to say, yeah, I had him on the bench. That's what yeah, I no, thought. I had him on my hip, but unfortunately, <laughs> you know, he went down as soon as uh, Drew Brees went down. And uh. something went down big time. It killed me. <laughs> it was such a tough year doing fantasy, too, because, uh, you know, everybody's, yeah, you know, like the COVID got and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's just, it's just been a tough year. And I'm from Staten Island, so it's kind of tough because the virus is, over here still. It ain't going anywhere. It's ridiculous. It's everywhere. New Jersey, too, is pretty high. Well, John, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. And the fact that that he just brought up um, the 162-game season, right? Okay, so for me, me personally, I played maybe two years 
um, in fantasy football leagues, and I've found them difficult to kind of sort of keep up with, with just everything else that's going on in, in my personal life. I've just, you know, this this gig and then teaching and the whole thing. So coaching even, it was just too much for me. Can you, 162-game baseball season? I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people play fantasy baseball. And and it just, as he was talking about that, I, I thought of how the pandemic-shortened season placed a lot of emphasis on winning series in in you know less of a quantity of games per season. I don't know if that's a bad thing. I mean, the NFL, look about it. You lose one game, you win one game, it can, can fluctuate. Baseball, you lose a game, okay, you win the series. I mean, I know we're really talking radical ideas here, but I, I'm just saying that there's not so much of an emphasis on winning and losing in baseball, if that makes sense, in the grand scheme of things. Yes, you win, you play to win the series, but beyond that, it's kind of like, okay, well, the Yankees, uh, they lost three in a row. That's okay. Imagine a football team losing three in a row. That would be devastating. Imagine the Jets losing 16 in a row. Oh, wait. No. Nope. They they, they didn't. So uh, I'm just kind of going through some tweets. I, I, I cannot. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them coming in. I just saw a good suggestion um, at Rick J. Brody. He, he comments all the time. And he said, uh, as far as challenges in the MLB, I like this idea. He said, make managers elect to challenge without consulting the video staff. This will eliminate the challenges for a runner sliding an eyelash past the base. If you can't see it with your naked eye, it's probably not egregious enough to overturn. I kind of like that. Because how many times, do you, you know, the, there's a, you know, second base, let's just say what he brought up. Second base, guy overslides the base, possibly. And then the, they, they show like Aaron Boone in the dugout and he's got his, you know, the index finger up like, wait a minute, like, like mom used to give to you on the phone when you, when she was on the phone and you had to ask her something, like the, the one finger, you know, but not the middle finger, the index finger. Uh, but I kind of like that because then it wastes time so that they can keep replaying it in the booth, wherever they are, the Yankees staff. And they're like, okay, yes, no, maybe so. So yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I just think I, I just love, I come from a place of, I love the game of baseball. I just feel like it's, it's, there could be some things done to it to keep it engaging. Um, for for the avid fan, the average fan, and someone looking to get into the game of baseball. Because right now, if you told me that I actually looked, because I look because, uh, you know, the Yankees in the playoffs, the Yankees in the 2009 ALCS game times, there was a game in the ALCS, because I remember, because I think I was on right after it that night, that I had to stay up and watch every pitch of that game Four hours and 49 minutes. You know what the average attention span of a teenager is? I'll tell you. 10 to 12 minutes. That's a big discrepancy. That's a big issue. So, talk more baseball improvements. we got Jets uh, have lots of tumultuous stuff going on with the New York Jets. And the Giants, maybe they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know. More your calls after the break, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Hey there, it's your buddies, Cardin and Roberts. As this craziest of all years comes to an end, we just wanted to wish you and yours a very special Christmas and happy holiday. And before you know it, we'll be back on the radio Monday at 2 o'clock. So check it out. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you Monday at 2, right here, 1019 FM, The Fan. Oh, I think this... Oh, yeah, yeah, this is it. The song is it's called Next Episode, The Next Episode, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. You got it. See that? 
Oh, too good at this. I'm Danielle McCartan here with you guys. I am the resident uh, song identifier, so I'm like Shazam. Just just call me Shazam. Danielle Shazam McCartan, everybody. Um, oh, man. I, I'm just, I'm getting a lot of good tweets on that break. And Emmanuel's trying to stump me with all the songs coming out of the break. Unsuccessful so far. I, I See, I'm very competitive, and I just want to beat you in every single thing. Not you, Emmanuel, but just saying. I just want to beat you in every single thing that we do. It's just running, uh, field goal kicking, um, I don't know, tying shoes contest. I have to win. And maybe at the cost of my brother sometimes because even still, I'm still, <clears throat> still, when we play video games or any sort of game, like games are pretty much banned in our <laughs> in our house. Because How long was that field goal you hit, by the way? Oh, uh, 20. 20 in the snow. Wow. Pretty good. Pretty good. I want to get out there on, like, good condition days and see what happens. Probably extend it to 30. I think the one I kicked, I think it was good. Definitely good from 25. Might have been 30. And Evan and Carton agreed 30. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But games have pretty much been outlawed in my house because if my brother starts beating me, and I just I, I reset it or turn it off or flip the board or, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> and we're not allowed to play games anymore. You got to like the competitive drive, though. Yeah, my mom didn't really like it too much. <laughs> she was she was a referee for for a lot of the time. Um, all right, so we got a suggestion from uh, Donnie Rock Hill coming in from Twitter at Donnie Rock Hill. He said um, we can make baseball move along faster by eliminating the DH and not allowing pitchers to bat. <gasps> no, I, you need the universal DH. Everybody, it's about time. You have to protect the investment of of these pitchers. But he said, have the eight remaining position players be batters and shorten the game to eight innings and twenty four outs. I don't know about that. The baseball purist, even me, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. It's not going to work. That's not going to work. But and also the universal DH. It's about time. Would you put your your two hundred million dollar pitcher out there running the bases unnecessarily in the NL if they don't do it in the AL? Come on, you don't. That's the answer. You don't. It's an investment. Protect it. Bob in Smithtown, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. What's up, Bob? Uh, I was thinking here that we have, we're trying to change all these rules in baseball, try and get kids more interested. How are they going to get interested if they don't play the game out in the street from when they're young? Everybody's on TikTok, Instagram. <laughs> if you're not brought up on baseball, how are you going to love it like you love it? You know about the bunting, and it's exciting to see if the guy beats out the bunt and does the right thing. Right. It's just not like that. If you're not brought up with it, you're more interested in your video games and your and your phones. Yeah, and you know what? And and that, and Bob too. I coach and everything, and it's kids don't whatever sport it is. Kids don't know how to go out there and play without rules. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't know how to just go play. It has to be structured. And there has to be coaches involved and all that. I, I mean, I was thinking about this actually today, actually, or maybe even yesterday. I learned. You know how? how you know how my why my hands are so good and so quick. It's because we used to play outside at school at lunchtime and on recess with the tennis ball, uh, wall ball, right? And if you bobbled it, you got pegged. I used to play with the boys. They used to peg me, and I was okay with that. So that's why my hands are so good. I didn't get good hands by, um, you know, playing with a coach somewhere and fielding ground ball after ground ball. So, yeah, I'm with you. That's right. When you, were, when you tried out for a team, the coach knew. You pretty much knew 90% of the game already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen, and today – and then when we talk about the time of the game, real quick, uh, mm-hmm. I think if we just get batters not to step out of the box with every pitch, yeah. the game would be cut down by a half an hour right there. Yeah, definitely brought that up before. Yeah, and how many, I mean, how many times do you have to watch a guy fix his batting gloves? I mean, come on already. They're, they're fixed. Right. They're fixed. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, with the simple things where, uh, 
you know, we know the game gets boring when we know a pitcher is going to come out after 100 pitches. Mm-hmm. It bothers me to see pitchers never throw out of a windup anymore. Everybody uses their shoulder, and they don't use their body to deliver that ball. Yeah. Yeah, from the so, stretch, you're saying. And yeah. you get a lot more injuries that way, and you automatically know 100 pitches, the best pitcher in baseball is coming out of the yep. game. Mm-hmm. Get, get your popcorn ready. Go, go take a bathroom break. You know he's coming out. Yeah. Yep. yep. Well, that's it. All right, Bob. Good Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. I know. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's another thing too. Yeah, but, I mean, we could talk about revolutionizing the game, or we can just start as simple as do not let the batter step out of the batter's box between every single pitch. That's and and two. There was another thing that I saw. You know, they they um new for twenty twenty was um. They require the starting or any relief pitcher. This is from the rules. I'm just reading the rule here. To pitch a minimum of three batters, including the batter at bat or any sub. So basically, relief pitcher has to pitch to three batters, right? That was new for 2020. So I wrote a note to myself. I wrote, so did it work? Question mark. Nope. 2020's average game time was actually up two minutes from 2019. So it didn't work. And up 11 minutes since 2015. So the fact that you know, the minimum three batter rule for the relief pitcher was instituted for this, you know, most recent season, 2020. The game time was average up, was two minutes. It didn't work. Go back to the drawing board. Wayne in Brantford? Where's Brantford, Wayne? Brantford, yeah. Where's Hello, that? Hello, Danielle. It sounds like Connecticut. Where is that? Uh, Near New Haven. Oh, okay. All right. So I was right. All right, good. What do you right, got for me tonight? Right, ne- right next door. Um, in the signing of a free agent, mm-hmm. who has the final say? Uh, I know mean, it sounds like a dumb question. Yeah, like, but. wait, so, like, so, I, I guess, uh, so, DJ LeMayu, so, who has the final say? So, the Yankees offer him, okay, we're going to give you four years, $100 million, take it or leave it. It's the player. Okay. Uh, I'm going in different direction. Go ahead. Um, well, so let's say Cashman goes to Hal and says, this is what we're going to have to pay him to keep him. Mm-hmm. Which happens, I'm sure, so yes. Can't, can't Hal say, I don't care, sign him? Oh, Hal could, right? He could. Am I right or wrong? I See, I don't know. No, well, I mean, typically, here's the strategy that the Yankees are doing with DJ LeMahieu. Like it's, it, it's, it's out there that DJ LeMahieu wants, what is it, 110, five years, $110 million. Okay. So right. Brian Cashman goes and says, well, you know, go test the waters. If you can find someone that can give you that, you know, we'll try to match it, right? It's like a like a you go to a car salesman. You know what I mean? They let you walk out the door, right? And then you come back. You know, they just want you to come back to them. So that's what the Yankees are doing anyway. So, Oh, yeah. But what I'm just saying, can't Hal just say, I sign don't him. care, sign yes. him. Whatever so, we got to pay, pay it. Right. Kind of like Steinbrenner used to do. Yeah. So George didn't care, you know. Hal exactly. is more concerned about the this luxury tax, and if they go, well, they're already past oh, yeah, one of the thresholds. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's well, what he's then. most compared. That's why he doesn't want to do that. I, I think right. he should just do it. I mean, let's rip the bandaid off and let's yep. go for it. Because if he, he winds up uh, leaving, Cashman is going to be the one that takes the heat. Yep, that's correct. That's what, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yes, you're yeah. correct so. for sure. So anyway, and I do want the electronic strike zone. It's about time, fair, right? It's fair to both sides. Yes. Yep. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it doesn't miss a pitch that's six inches off the plate. I mean, yeah. in the playoffs. I mean, that's an important yeah. pitch. Yep. Yep. It's fair to both sides, not one or the other. Yep. yep. And, it's, and you're still going to have the umpire back there making the calls, making the calls at the plate. 
So Yep, I, I agree with you, Wayne. And, it'll and be much better. Appreciate the okay, call. Okay, that's all I have today. Awesome, appreciate the call. Okay, have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Um, yeah. Not only is an electronic strike zone fair to both teams, it's fair across the entire league. I'm with it. I think baseball has this fear of embracing technology, as they should, based on what the Astros did. But they have to, they have to, it's almost like combat technology with more technology. That's what's happening in the classroom anyway. They're combating the, the advancements of technology with more technology. So that's, baseball needs to get aboard. They need to get involved. I mean, I look at basketball. I think so many more basketball players are so much more recognizable than baseball players. I mean, that's what the kids say anyway. I mean, the kids are able to to recognize hockey players. We, I, I told you the poll. Alexander Ovechkin was more recognizable than Mike Trout. To me, that's crazy. Let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Lenny in Fort Lauderdale. Lenny, what's up? Hey, Danielle. What's going on, baby? How are you? Another great show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, I love that article they had about you. That was cute. Which one? The boom oh. coming in. Oh. Did you hear it live? No, yeah, oh. no, I didn't hear it live. I mean, actually, I heard it on the um, on the podcast. Oh, on the replay. Oh, on the replay. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. That I was great. I mean, I'll play wherever. I really will play wherever. The only hesitation I had about why I hesitated, and I feel like I should explain this, why I hesitated when he asked me if I would play catcher, is because. It's going to be 100 degrees in July, and I really don't want to be wearing the stuff yeah. behind the plate. That's why I hesitated. Not that I can't do it. Not that I can't now play I, third now base. I got a campaign to get uh, Cotton on your show. To, uh, I'm sure he'll pop on there to get his case on there. Yeah, I know. I know. He tweeted, uh, but I, it wasn't like a really good like response that was worth really. Yeah, as long as you're on the team and then they know about you, the more you, more 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 they hear about you, the better it is. Lenny, why do you think I was out there kicking field goals in the snow? I love it. I love it. <laughs> love it. Hey, um, two things: uh, the baseball rules and a little basketball. Mm-hmm. I got two rules. One regarding the shift. Mm-hmm. I think they should keep the shortstop in a designated area. They can't go past so far. You know, they have the designated areas where they have to stay in the field. Yeah. That's it. I, I'm not crazy about it, though, Lenny. I, I, I'm, I'm like a fundamentalist. Learn how to bunt. If the whole entire left field yeah. is open, lay down a bunt, man. Yeah, that too. That too. Also, what was that? Oh, the replay. You know, I think the replay should be done naked eye. As soon as it happens, you either make the call and you want to replay. You can't go up to your, your booth guy and yeah. say, hey, wait, I'm going to wait 10 minutes to go. You know what? I'll see four replays. Well, now I'm going to, now I'm going to throw in a, I'm going to ask for a replay. Naked eye. If it's not done within 30 seconds, no good. Yeah, I kind of like that, too. It's almost I, like the I NFL, too. It. Like the NFL. Yeah, the NFL for sure has to do that. Yeah. Well, I hate it. it. Like, like for a coach to challenge it in the NFL, I mean, there is a play clock oh, that is running. They call the phone. They call the guy upstairs. They look at it. Now, now they're going to replay. And then, then, then the umpires take another half an hour looking at it. I know. Ridiculous. See, I know that that's so know. obvious. You know, know. If it's not no, you can't see it naked eye. Don't do it. Uh, a couple other things. The uh, pitch counts drive me crazy mm-hmm. because it takes away. You know, like you're three and zero, and you want to waste a pitch. It yeah. goes against you. There's different types of pitching. There's pitching that, you know, uh, pitches that really they mean something, and sometimes they just take a little off to... Um, to change the eye level of a yeah, hitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they just, you know, the pitches, they, they throw the ball to the first base, that should count as a pitch count. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
So I just stopped with the pitch count. Enough of that already. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> and then uh, the, the uh, basketball uh, guy, the Nets, they look amazing, huh? <laughs> Don't they? Oh, God. <laughs> they look good. They look uh, real the good. looks like he never missed a, a day of work. I know. As, so smooth, the whole team's balanced. I know, and, and, and now the depth. Uh, this this, this um, Nash is going to be the next Steve Kerr. He's going to be the great manager, the great coach, and now Steve Kerr, all of a sudden, not such a great coach. Yeah, well, you know what? It has a lot to do with the talent on the team. You know, oh, I, I, I could, we, Lenny, you Lenny. and I can co- coach that Brooklyn Nets team, and we would oh, be winning games. Oh, my God, absolutely. <laughs> but somehow, somewhere, Kyrie's going to ruin it. Yeah, I know. No. I think that's the fear in the back of every Nets fan's minds. Yeah, the guy is just, uh, he has to be the smartest guy in the room. Yep. Did you see the interview with uh, Durant after the, after the, uh, the game the other night? Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, how he answered Shaq, it was just a very uh, deadpan. Oh, so funny. Yeah. They hate Barkley, you know. Yep. Barkley was just like these guys when he was younger, you know. And now he's now he's criticizing them all. And he was... He was one of the ones that went from from the Sixers over to the Suns, trying to chase a championship. He was always rude to to the fans yeah. and to everybody, and now all of a sudden he's a new man, you know. Mm. Yep, Don't he's like on the other it. side of it now. Don't like it. <laughs> and uh, let's see the football games last night. They were uh, the Saints looked pretty good, you know. Camara has more ah, touchdowns well. than the Jets over the past four weeks. Just what alone. happened? Oh, ah, yeah, the Ports. Oh my God! Oh, that's, that was one thing I was going to say. Is um, you know, Gaze could have been the first guy to get fired after a victory. I think, you know, <laughs> that's what well, should have happened. But I have faith that maybe this is what I think might happen: is that Jacksonville might lose a game, and then it'll come down to the last game of the year. I know, and they play New England, Belichick. and and Belichick hates the hates the Jets organization so much. And they're out of it. They might throw the game, and then they really get shot. Oh my worse. god! I can't wait to be on the air when that happens, Lenny. Oh, I, I gotta god. run yeah, to break, Lenny. Yeah, you love it. You love it. And uh, let me tell you, once again, I gotta commend you on on your hosting. You give all the fans enough time to talk. I appreciate that. And uh, really, you ever get get a chance to ask Tony Page to come on and talk with you? Because he was the same way, and uh, you, you, you're a good predecessor for him. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm, I'm sure. Thanks, Lenny, for the call. I just gotta run to break right. really quick. Um. I'm sure, and thank you for that. I'm sure uh, someone has the phone number of Tony Page. Maybe we can get him on after a fight one night. That'd be cool. All right, let's run to break, and it'll be your last chance to get aboard right after the other side of this break. 877-337-6666. Danielle McCartan on the fan. Brooklyn Nets basketball is right here on the fan. Be listening tomorrow night at 6.50 as they wrap up their short road trip against the Charlotte Hornets. Streaming on your smart speaker, mobile device, laptop, and tablet at WFAN.com and on your radio at Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. A perfect night. Perfect night. That's it, everybody. Perfect night. I am uh, undefeated, and I will go up against the Pat Boyle challenge tomorrow. I take the challenge. I'm pretty good with him, too, though, actually. So, everybody, this is your last chance to get aboard to McCartan after midnight here on The Fan in New York City. 877-337-6666 is the phone number. Uh, And on the break, as I always do, I went to Twitter, and I'm having a little exchange with Will Sauger, actually, if you would... uh, if uh, you guys would, uh, uh, whatever, entertain this here. So before when we were talking about, I 
as the caller was talking, I had Googled and I told you I just what had come up was an article from 2015 about um, umpires and their accuracy in, in challenging things. So the one guy, I forgot his name already. I think May was his last name. He, um, 13 of his calls were challenged. 12 of them were overturned by um, the replay review, whatever. So Will says, your take on saying an ump who, uh, basically saying that, I'm going to paraphrase here, basically saying that, um, what about all the other hundreds of calls that the guys make? The guy makes? Um, but remember, you can't challenge balls and strikes. So this is like, you know, runner sliding into home or, or something like that, or foul fair ball or something like that. So it do, I do not, I'm not taking into consideration the other hundreds of calls that, that, that the guy has had made. And I said, but yeah, he was overturned 12 out of 13 times that year. And he will, I respect your opinion, Will, but he says that, you know, he had, there's no need uh, for, um, uh, what is it? Like, like quantifying this data, basically. I think it absolutely needs to be quantified. I mean, everybody in, in every job, there's, there's, a, there's something quantifiable about your job. I mean, even teaching, there's, there, I get a score at the end of the year of how effective or, or ineffective or partially effective I am. And that's based on a bunch of different things. So there's no reason why an umpire who is in charge of a game, right? Just like I am in charge of my classroom and, you know, there's ratings for these radio stations too. I mean, everything is quantifiable. If an umpire gets 92% of those, those challenged calls overturned, uh, that, that's not a good look. That's not a good look. Um, and then Billy Hayes, we were just talking about the field goal. Billy Hayes said the field goal would have been made um, by for 35 yards. It could have been. I, I just want to be able to get out there, more favorable conditions where, you know, three pairs of my socks that goes up to my knees were not soaked through with, with ice and snow in my cleats, um, which were slipping underneath me. And we, we know the whole story. So at Cousins Cornhole says, the last four games, the Giants have four touchdowns and the Jets have six if only they didn't get the last two touchdowns at the Rams, I'd be able to sleep. If only um, two things happened in that Jet game, I'd be able to sleep. Man does not make that tackle, and, and the guy scores. And there that there was no holding call that pulled back the Acres touchdown. Then I'd be able to sleep. But here we are. Uh, and tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to give you guys, a, obviously as you come to expect, a complete breakdown of both the Jets and the Giants games tomorrow. And also, too, just a quick little preview. Beatboxing is back again. I think you guys, that's a winning segment, I think. We'll, we'll continue. And I like it because it's it's um, doable across all of the uh, sports. So it doesn't matter. It could be football. It could be baseball. You know, whatever. So I have two very, um, very, um, what do I say? Very hungry, very hungry challengers. And I have representing the Giants because the Jets it's it's hard it's hard to do this if you if you're re- representing the Jets so the Giants since they still have a chance I've got um, Madeline Burke you know her from being on TV with the New York Giants you know she does the pre post all all that all on TV um, she she's going to be great I know that I uh, respect her work on Twitter and then and, and, I, and I know her too and then so the other contestant representing the Ravens is Jason LaConfora. Jason LaConfora is so set. He wanted the the walk-up music of Mike Tyson. And I told him, as long as there's no ear chewing, we're good. We'll be good. And he said he would promise. So expecting a good, clean fight tomorrow between Madeline Burke and Jason LaConfora in beatboxing. I'm excited. 
And um, yeah, so uh, if you guys, this is your last chance to get aboard here, 877-337-6666. Lots of topics tonight. Um, I actually opened, up, opened the show by saying, you know, talking about what each of our New York teams, I did, you know, for time's sake, I did baseball, football, and basketball. And I fit that in, in the opening 20 minutes. What should each of our teams have been looking for under the tree this holiday season? And for the Nets, and, and I went from, or, the order that I went through was like, the Nets were first because they, in my opinion, have the best chance to either make the playoffs. I think that was the bar I set, make the playoffs. Not win a championship and make the playoffs. But I guess they go hand in hand. But the Nets, maybe your initial reaction was to have um, health involved there. Sure. But I actually wanted the Nets to open up a box of like harmony because the depth is great. You know, when I play it, but when, when you win, everybody's happy. Everybody's happy with their role on the team. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be taking a, I don't want to say a step back because it's really not, but he's got to take a step back in his scoring. I mean, there's only so many points and so many shots to be divided among the team. And he was a, you know, a, a good scorer. And now he's going to have to take a step back because he's got two good scorers ahead of him. What did Kyrie finish tonight? With 37 points, I think. Kevin Durant, I think, was 29. Yeah, if that's what's in front of you, you got to take a step back. So I'm not saying he's going to be a problem. I'm just saying that that you have to adapt to these new roles. And when you're winning, it's easy. It's easy to do as a player when you're winning. However, when you are not winning, if you have lost two or three in a row, four in a row, then things kind of start to hit the fan. And that happened to me. I was a player. When I was a player, that happened to me. And so... What happened was on the volleyball team, right? I, I was a role player on my high school volleyball team. And so um, we made it to the, I guess, the state champion. No, not the state champion, but we made the playoffs, whatever it was. And, you know, there's the, the girl on the team, her name was Emily. She, on the bus ride home, we lost. My the team lost. You know, the coach had his favorites of the six or seven girls that played because six play at a time. He had, like, the one sub, the seventh girl coming in, you know. And I wasn't one of those seven. And so I did the best I could. You know, everybody was positive as much as they could. And all of a sudden it blew up on the bus ride home. Absolutely blew up. That she stood up and she said, we should have been cheering more. And I stood up and I said, well, I didn't sign up for cheerleading. I signed up to play volleyball. And then then it all exploded. So that's what I'm saying. So the Nets, I, it's, it's, it's very volatile. That's a good word, volatile, this Nets team. But that's why I hope that they unwrap the box of harmony. The Mets... Uh, I think if you're a Met fan, you're not looking for something. You're looking for something more tangible, like a George Springer or a Trevor Bauer. And obviously, I think uh, the acquisition of James McCann instead of JT Romuto obviously points in that direction. So, is it going to? I think it's going to be one of them. I do not think it's both. My suggestion put forth was the, the George Springer, um, because I do think. I, I just call me crazy, but I think Noah Syndergaard has this bounce back year that I think is going to surprise everybody, based on the fact that he's going to be you know back in shape, and he's going to have the analytics to help him regain some of what he lost over these past couple, I guess years it's been now, right? The Giants, I think a lot of Giants fans for some ex- inexplicable reason are hoping for a pink slip for Dave Gettleman. I hate to break it to you, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's done enough to be on, be on longer. 
I mean, because for the simple fact of, oh, just off the top of my head, it was the head coach. He obviously had a, uh, a say in picking the head coach. Um, just Christmas morning, re-signed Logan Ryan before the season ended, left no wiggle room, no drama, you know, and he did the same thing with uh, Graham Gano. No drama there either. He extended him too. So, and that's just off the top of my head. Giants fans, you like the defense that you have? Guess who put it together or helped to put it together? It was a combination of Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge. Bradbury, Martinez. Um, just go down the list, right? So I, I tell Giants fans all the time, I would be interested to see what a pairing of Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman looks like in the NFL draft. I think there could be magic there. And then we'll talk tomorrow about the permutations, more about the permutations about the NFC least, who out of that division is going to come out as a uh, as a division winner in a playoff team with a home playoff game, believe it or not. Then Yankees fans hoping for underneath their tree. Um, DJ LeMahieu, yes, I know that. Get it done already, Brian Cashman. Let's let's because if you start missing out on other players because you said you were gonna wait for DJ LeMahieu and you start missing out on other players, I, I there's gonna be a mutiny. And then the Jets. Jets are just looking for a win or two from the Jaguars underneath their tree. That's what they want. And then that would clarify any sort of, you know, draft day things that, that would go on, I think. And then, but then it would make for boring programs. Not boring, I'm just saying. It, we wouldn't have the lively Jets callers arguing over who was going to be the quarterback, et cetera. Um, and then also, too, Jets fans, maybe a little harsh over Christmas, but I think a most, if not all, Jets fans are hoping for an Adam Gase pink slip. Well, it might be a little too harsh on Chris, but as, mark my words, as soon as the, Mets, the Jets are mathematically eliminated from getting that first overall pick and they slip to two for sure, locked up, I think Gase is out of here. I think he knows it too. You see how he smirks with the media and stuff, and he's like just a different guy over the past couple weeks. He's like playing a joke on everybody, like, oh, I know I'm gone, so you guys can stick it, you know? And then finally, the Knicks. I think the Knicks, you know, that's saying Christmas in July. Christmas in July happened for real for the Knicks when Tom Thibodeau was hired as their head coach. I mean, the guy has a career-winning percentage of 589%. I mean, 11th best in NBA history among coaches who have coached at least 500 games. So not only is he good, he's he's um, like a veteran. He's like a veteran coach. So... Yeah, there's going to be some growing pains with the Knicks, but you're already seeing his little system, his little mentality, the team take on his mentality in, in terms of defense. Because one thing about Tom Thibodeau's teams is that they are defenders, and all of them, if not all, if not most of them, have been excellent defensive teams. So, thanks to all the callers. We had a steady stream all night. Could not have done this without you guys. I love coming here and talking to you all. So tomorrow we're going to uh, complete the triple play. So if you want to go back to this show, Rewind it all the way to 2 a.m. on the Radio.com app. Emmanuel, great job tonight behind the glass. Peter Schwartz on the updates. And uh, Vince Quinn is coming up your way next. In the meantime, you guys are going to hit my socials at Coach McCartan and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Merry Christmas to all. And to all, a good night, everybody. <laughs>